This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, folks. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Today we'll be taking a tour of many things of Leadership 101, technology and its impact. And do you feel smarter? Do you feel smarter simply because you have Google? Apparently we do. Simply having the ability to search Google makes let me, us let me feel look that so up, much I'll smarter. <laughs> I know everything. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. Let me access Google. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we try to help you live longer, love stronger, and uh, lead the ones you're with. And we're going to touch all of those subjects today. Holy cow. David Letterman, tonight's the night, the grand finale. What do you say in your final show? Bye. Yeah, probably. I watched him so much growing up. I loved Johnny Carson, loved Letterman, loved Leno. Now I can't stay up late enough. My meds kick in by nine. Yeah. I'm done. I'm so done. Well, you're up pretty early now. Yeah. So that kind of cuts off time at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I borrow it from the morning. Yeah. Now I'm asleep by 6.30 in the evening. In the middle of the evening news. Start nodding off. Whoa. It's horrible. Horrible. But uh, you weren't a big Letterman fan? I haven't really been a fan of any of those types of shows. I used to, you know, when I was young, I'd try to stay up later and watch Johnny Carson with my dad. Oh, yeah. But that was just more of an excuse to stay up late, not what was on TV. It was just I didn't want to go to bed. And, you know, there was a time where it was something I would watch, but I don't know. I just you know, It wasn't something that ever caught on with me. Letterman's saying that uh, this whole um, YouTube clip thing is killing him. Absolutely. All this viral clips it's just with him or yeah. just just he just couldn't compete there yeah well the same thing with jay leno yeah uh the reason you you get jimmy kimmel and you get uh jimmy fallon and all these different deep different guys out there is you see the next morning all their youtube clips yeah and they can make these little uh skits games whatever features they do on their shows that are very uh viral you can share them they're they're funny you know and you can do those types of things whereas what was Jay Leno doing? He had his, his uh, warped mirror where he looked like he had a huge chin. Yeah, the chin, yeah. That, that guy. Was that? He, I thought that was his chin. It was a, yeah, exaggerated. Okay. And then okay. you go out on the street and talk to people, and that was kind of what he would do. Stupid human tricks. And these other guys come in with, top I guess, 10 lists. more innovative, more funny things. That Well, that's what's weird about it is, honestly, uh, more people watch a Jimmy Kimmel viral video than... You would have a really good skit on Johnny Carson. You'd never ever see it again, yeah. Unless you bought like the five hundred pack of his <laughs> VHS tapes or VHS something. Yeah. Tapes. It's it's a it's an interesting day and age, but it's got to be hard to think that every day you're creating more and more online content. I mean, that's overwhelming. And you can see it because they um, who was it? The guy that took over um, after what is it? After Letterman? Yeah. I forget his name. But the first night he was out, he had three videos on YouTube. Amazing. He had three skits. He sings. He dances. He has He's multi-talented. And he's instantly out there on YouTube, whereas you never saw anything from that show 
before. Right now, it's it's all that's what you see. That's the important. That's the focus and the drive is is getting that in, that content out there. It's interesting, and it's time to move on. You know, out with the old, in with the new. I guess. Well, I think a new trend now is you have to be named James to have a James. A what is that about? I don't know because you have James Corden, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. They're all Jameses. Yeah. Jimmy Birdsall. Yeah, that's that's someday coming. Yeah, that's Corden. That's his name. You, yeah, James Birdsall. That's could be the fourth one. Yeah, the late, 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 late. Why don't show. we just do the early show? The early late show. Well, the early is news. Mm. The but at some point, show. the late would become early. That's why we want you on the show because you are a show in and of your own, in and of yourself. You're just a show. Yep, show man, one man show. <laughs> yeah, good times. Yeah. The Jimmy Birds All Show. Should yeah, we start I'd have calling to be you Jimmy? By Jimmy. Yeah, I let's would go have by to. Jimmy. Yeah, it's let's call him Jimmy. Personable. Yeah, you, you you would know a Jimmy. Jimmy, a James. You'd have to like you'd have to get to know a James. James is so formal. It is yeah. formal. But Jimmy. Now that you're personal. married, let's go with Jimmy. I'm Jimmy. Jimmy B Dog Birds All. <laughs> Good. Okay, that's done. Okay, done. settled. Jimmy B Dog. And this is the uh, early early morning late show. It's so late. It's early. <laughs> anyway well that's good news for him congratulations to david letterman what a great break done break he's done he's got a lifelong break now he's 60 what is he 68 he might have been asked to leave <clears throat> sure and then he decided well we're asked to leave all the time <laughs> would you guys turn off the mics please we keep coming back big news yesterday yeah hillary clinton finally spoke to the media <gasps> what? It's been 28 days or 40,150 minutes, according to the Washington Post. Was she, was this a speech? She was giving no. a speech for a lot of money? She spoke for five minutes. She, wow. she answered about four questions. How did this happen? Did she just walk up to a microphone? She or? was in Iowa. Okay. At a, uh, one of these supposed to look spontaneous, but totally choreographed Was she in a Scooby events. Doo van? No. Okay. Well, probably, because that's how she drives through Iowa, only mm-hmm. through this van. Uh, she answered a few questions. A reporter asked her if she'd carefully, at, at her carefully coordinated Iowa sit-down, as it was termed on one place I was reading, um, if she would ask some questions, she said, I'll have to ponder it. I will put it on my list for due consideration. Really? And then a few minutes later came over and talked to the media. Wow. She actually said, I will put that on my list for due consideration. For due consideration. She answered about five minutes of questions, touching on a number of subjects that have been swirling around the candidate, including income she received from her speaking engagements, the ongoing controversy over her private emails, mm. and, of course, the Clinton uh, charities and the money they were taking. Here's a quote from her on that. I am so proud of the foundation. I'm proud of the work that uh, it has done and that it is doing. It attracted donations from people, organizations uh, from around the world. And I think that just goes to show that people are very supportive of the life-saving and life-changing work it's done here, at home, and elsewhere. Um, And I'll let uh, the American people make their own judgments about that. I'll jump in. They all just jump in. Oh, man, that was just – I hate answers like that. Yeah. So after 4,000 or 40,000 minutes, excuse me, the I'm wondering does anyone feel sort of vindicated in the media that now she's spoken? Now she's spoken. Okay, can you all leave me alone? How many questions did she take? Five? Yeah, and she didn't really say anything, you know. They asked her about the email, and she said, they're not mine. It's the, I gave them to the We've done everything. The I would love it's these theirs. to be released immediately, except 
when she released them, she released them in paper form, yeah. not digital form. No. And so just that in and of itself added a lot of time to the entire process. Sure. But why uh, would you give a digital form if you don't have to? Right. Well, except for the fact that if, if you're an environmentalist, you'd save a billion trees. Man! A billion. One billion. I counted. More, more of our uh, story of the week with the biker fight in yes. Waco, Texas. Three of the 170 bikers arrested in Waco were mistakenly released on a lower bond, according oh, to the boy. county sheriff there. Uh, they got away with a $50,000 bond rather than the $1 million ordered for all suspects. Police are currently searching for the bikers, one of whom escaped with body armor under his vest. Apparently, they hadn't removed his body armor yet. So the guy with body armor and his vest on yeah. didn't get – he wasn't put at the higher bond. But there's also uh, claims that nonviolent, non-criminal people were uh, caught up in the arrest at this place because it like, wasn't – there were some people literally there – for pro- the reason they were there for it to gather to talk about the lobbying efforts dealing with motorcycle riders. Are we not talking about helmet laws? Right, helmet laws. And then then you have two violent gangs show up. Um, <laughs> and so one woman says, "I mean, they got bikers for Christ guys in there." Oh man! Right. <laughs> so, so not even a bandito no, or a, or a Cossack, Cossack or a scimitar just or a bikers for Christ. Biker for Christ. Oh man. So yeah, they got they may have to do. Well, some I think sorting you have out. the wrong person, brother. <laughs> Another story I read: the Justice Department estimates there are still more than three hundred outlaw motorcycle gangs in the U.S. One mm. of the largest gangs, the Banditos, is the uh, them and the Hell's Angels are the two biggest in the country. Each has more than ninety chapters and eight hundred members in the country. Don't forget the sharks. And the Jets. And uh, he goes, these guys have never gone away. I'm shocked that people are shocked that this is happening. Carlos uh, Canino, the uh, special agent in charge of the ATF in Los Angeles. He's like, they've been around forever. Well, yeah, but we're not investigating. We just, you know. It says they're active in the mid-Atlantic, southwest, and northwest U.S., hmm. where they're still uh, considered a significant threat. So. But, I mean, the vast majority of people you see riding a bike aren't in a bike. I mean, that's what's funny is there's there's probably 10 to 1 dentists to every biker right. on a Harley right now. <laughs> it's like the rich white dentist. It's a midlife gang. crisis. My father bought a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I was talking about it uh, a few weeks ago. I go, that was your midlife crisis. That's when I knew <laughs> my dad needed a break. There's also the old Mormon Tabernacle Choir gang. There you go. Those guys, they're... They got, they got their leather jackets on. Yeah, I'm a baritone. <laughs> yeah, instead of like worrying about the rocker panel or whatever, rocker saying Texas, theirs is like baritone. Baritone. <laughs> Tenor. Tenor. <laughs> Soprano. What else do you got? Uh, let's see here. The White House and Speaker John Boehner are trading blame over the stallment measures for legal authorization or illegal authorizing the fight against ISIS. Both are saying the other are dragging their feet. The White House put out their authorization. The Republicans rejected it, and they've been deliberating this whole time. Fighting ever since. And uh, Speaker Boehner says, we need a new authorization because the situation has changed. You need to update your uh, your verbiage and come back with a different argument. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the press secretary for the uh, White House says, at some point, it has to be the responsibility of the Speaker of the House to do his job and for members of the Congress to do their job. At some point, just authorize it already. Everybody's got to do your job. There's a lot of these. They're, they're postponing a lot of like bills right now, right? They're just trying, yeah. they're lining them up. Yes, they're spinning their wheels. That's weird to think that Congress would spin their wheels. 
Could be. You'd think that you just go hammer these things out, get them done, get done for the Memorial Day. You would hope. Have a big vacation, a little barbecue. Iraqi authorities have appealed for voluntary recruits in the battle against the Islamic State to retake the city of Ramadi mm. because their police force doesn't want to fight anymore. They're tired. They're gone. So they're asking for any sort of volunteers out there that want to jump in and help out. The United Nations <laughs> estimates an upward of 25,000 people have fled the region in recent oh. days because of the ISIS attacks. Yeah. Do you remember when, you, when you'd play in the neighborhood and uh, you're done playing? What would you say to have everyone come in? Like if you're playing hide-and-seek and everyone's done. Ollie, ollie, oxen free. Yeah. There you go. So that's kind of what they're doing. They need one of those? <laughs> yeah. Come on in, guys. Do over. Do over. And I, I don't know if you saw this. 34 million cars recalled yes. for killer airbags. I mean, that's a big deal. It's, it's Honda's. One, it's one in four cars on the road today. 34 million cars yeah. need new airbags. And just for the record, my truck, not my wife's car. Really? Yeah, I looked it up. I'm pretty sure mine will be on the list. A, because I have that kind of luck, and B, it was a Honda. Apparently it was a Hondas Honda. Are, but it's, it's, but it's all, all, all makes, all models. It's airbags, but it's airbags that can explode in your face. Yeah, this is apparently the fifth largest uh, manufacturer of airbags in the world. Takata oh, Industries. And basically, the government's saying, Yeah, the government's like, this. you need Admit to do this, this now. You've blown this. <laughs> We're not sure yet. They do explode in your face, however. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. Folks, we're talking leadership uh, here on the Matt Townsend Show. When we come back, one of my goals is to always make sure that uh, you have the skills, the tools you need to be a better leader. You may not even be in the leadership position, but uh, a lot of us are, right? And we, we lead our teams. We lead our families. We lead communities. Up next, we'll be talking about the principles of highly successful leaders right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the studio here today, joining us right now is Stephen Schallenberger, and he is the founder and chairman of Becoming Your Best. He's the author of the book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders, which offers 12 principles that help make your companies, your people, and your families exceptional. We brought Stephen on because he just—he was just uh, highlighted by our, the governor of the state of Utah. Made a big deal. I guess you guys are going on tour to, together, huh, Stephen? Uh, yes, that's right. What are you doing with the governor? Well, we had a great time with him, and uh, it was in Park City area. Yeah. And we, first of all, we're celebrating leadership. Yeah. We and, need that, by the way, because it seems like we don't know what leaders are anymore. We we just assume a position as a leader. Uh, Matt, that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, leadership makes a big difference. And one of the things that uh, brought us together with the governor is to celebrate what he's been doing. He, has, he, uh, he and I had the chance to serve. I ran across some notes as I was preparing for the press conference, and they happened to be for March 7th. 2007. Oh, wow. At the very same site. And, Eight years ago. And the lieutenant governor and I had both been invited to speak on leadership. Uh-huh. And it just happened I found my no- – his his talk that I recorded that day. You wrote I, your notes on it. I took the notes How down. How great is that? And so I shared some of those. But what they were is he actually had uh, principles. Uh-huh. 
that I talk about in my book, then they are defining. They are game-changing. Yeah. When people do them, uh, they are able to achieve a sustainable excellence. And when they violate them, uh, we don't do as well. As a matter of fact, we have misery. Yeah, right. So uh, things such as vision. And then he cited George Washington. As a great visionary. Uh, determination. Mm-hmm. Uh, He talked about uh, being able to be a good communicator, and he cited, in this case, Ronald Reagan, bring down that wall, Mr. Gorbachev. Gorbachev. (laughs) I love that. So, you know, it's this type of thing that's transformational. Uh, He also talked about that one person could make a difference. Uh, And he he talked about a football player on a team, a professional football team that wasn't doing very well, and this one player turned the tide for the team. Uh. I mean, it was like you uh, had all these notes, and did you go back and say that was a really great talk? Yeah, but and, that's great. And and so, what I did then is I said, well, our governor. Oh, and another one is humility. Uh huh. So our governor lives these, and the result is he's created a coalition within our state that's that's brought uh, an enormous success. So Forbes magazine has recognized Utah for the last two years as the best place to do business. Really? Uh, And uh, right now, Utah is the fastest-growing economy in the country. Unbelievable. Little old Utah. Little old Utah. And our governor is going to be the chairman of the National Governors Association. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, here's this little state, this humble fellow, but he's, he's brilliant, honestly. He's. Uh, we reflected then on the fact that leadership can have a big impact on our lives uh, and on our communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the experiences that I shared was being in Australia uh, just a month ago at a global leadership conference with 2,000 CEOs and leaders from around the world. We had uh, four or five leaders from Venezuela. Mm. They were CEOs, and they talked about the condition that started about – it's gone for some time, but it really got much worse about 15 months ago when their new president uh, took over. Yeah. Uh, oppressive, repressive, yeah. uh, socialist agenda, uh, trying to nationalize most everything. And they said the results are catastrophic right now. What's taking place is there's virtually nothing on the store sh- uh, sh- shelves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed a picture of them. They're 90% bare. Just bare shelves. See, so but this is interesting, but he's still the leader. So this he, fe- he okay. may have won by charisma, but he does. he's not living principles that that enrich people. This is the point. And so what happened is, oh, and the average line to get into a store is 3.7 hours. Oh, my heaven. Uh, to get into an empty store. Yeah. To get into a, they don't have toilet paper, basic essentials. They have started arresting some of the CEOs. Oh, boy. Because they aren't supporting the state agenda. Uh, this was what he described. And so they called a special meeting the next morning just to make people aware and uh, he said, right now, he, uh, a year ago, the students from the universities took to the streets. They killed 44 of these students. And he said, right now, we are in a hopeless place. Mm. Well, this is the contrast of leadership. Yeah. Uh, I just happened to mention facetiously 
at this press conference, if they want to solve their problems, let's send Gary Herbert down that's there. That's right. Get Governor <laughs> Herbert down there and he'll change your economy and everything. But that's really it, though. Is That's the point. These are universal ideas. Like you said, uh, was one of them honesty? Yes. Integrity, right. What, so what if – okay. So what if somebody argues, you know what? You can be a leader and not have integrity. <laughs> well, they're dead in the water. I, mean, cause in, I love it, Matt. You can try that, right? <laughs> but it's just not going to last if it does last. It'll never work. Yeah. Uh, you know, you take a look at – if you violate these principles, you are going to collapse sooner or later. Mm. Uh, Hitler is a perfect example. Uh, you can have a vision. You can have goals. But if you violate human character, that's right. if you violate living the golden rule, it will catch up with you. A wonderful example of this is uh, Gandhi. Yeah. So here's this little fellow uh, doesn't really have a position, uh, but he helps his nation gain independence through peaceful means. Well, after India gained repent, uh, excuse me, independence, uh, Gandhi was sought after by many people, and he right. was open to the populace. So one day a woman came by with her son. She waited in line, and as she got up to him, she looked at him and said, please tell my son not to eat sugar. <laughs> the plea of every mother. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, just looked at him a second, he thought a minute, and then said, bring him back in a month. Yeah. And brushed her aside and went on to the next person. Well, she was beside herself, but she didn't have any other recourse. So, indeed, she did bring him back in a month. She waited in line as they got up to him. Uh, he remembered them, and she said, can you please tell my son not to eat sugar? And all of a sudden, he brought the, ar- the young boy, grabbed him by the shoulders, brought him close, and he looked him in the eye, and he said, young man, he said, do not eat sugar. (laughs) It's not good for you. It won't help you be healthy. And then he gave him a hug and gave him back to his mom. His mom was grateful, but she said, Mr. (laughs) Gandhi, why didn't you do that a month ago? Yeah. And he said, because a month ago I ate sugar. Mm. Month ago, he was still eating it. <laughs> and he Isn't that interesting? He the, didn't want to do that. He didn't want to break character. Yeah, that's it. Exactly, Matt. This, it was that moral authority yeah. that allowed him, based on principles, to help his country achieve freedom. That's so, huge. There, so that's this huge. is the idea. This is what leaders do. That's exactly right. We're talking with Stephen Schallenberger, uh, author of the book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. It's a national bestseller, folks, and we're focusing on this character, this this character ethic, this need to bring true character back into your leadership uh, abilities, your, your skill set. We'll come back more with Steve Schallenberger after this right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Stephen R. Schallenberger is joining us. He's the author of the book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. We've asked him to to come. You know, it's one thing to be elected or to be nominated. We have all of these presidential candidates lining up. Everyone wants to be the president. But apparently, um, to be the best leader, you you need to live principles. 
Is that what your argument is, Stephen? That's it exactly. How would you describe or define a principle? Yeah, well, a principle is uh, timeless. It's universal. Yeah. Uh, and it applies everywhere. So it's not bound by time or place or culture. Yeah. It's going to apply. And if we – it's just like a natural law. I love to look, go out and look at the North Star because mm-hmm. people can – find their way by following the North Star, and it won't Anywhere, change. Right? Yeah, that's the way these are. We actually call these 12 principles uh, guiding constants. Mm. Each one does that. It can, and it's true in every culture, right? So the president of Venezuela could live these principles just like the president of the United States or Uganda. Anyone can live a universal concept or construct. Okay, that's a good example. Uh, in November, we had uh, the opportunity to visit Rwanda. We were invited to teach a three-day leadership boot camp wow. to over 200 entrepreneurs. In, in Rwanda? In Rwanda. It was extraordinary. And they just ate it up. Yeah. This is a country trying to get it. And, and people were so excited about this. We had the Minister of Youth and Technology, uh, Jean Filver, uh, kick us off with a oh, press true. conference. He was so excited yeah. about it. Well, after we were done, we received a call from the president of the country, Paul Kagame. Holy cow. And Paul said, I would love to visit with you. And and so we thought about their story and realized it was only a short 20 years ago they went through this enormous trauma oh. and genocide yeah. where one party killed 1.1 million of right. their fellow countrymen in 100 days. It was terrible. In fact, that, I think Bill Clinton says that was his biggest mistake. That's right. In all of his presidency was not watching over Rwanda. Could have stopped it, right. He just wasn't clued in on that. And So Paul Kagame at that time was a general yeah. for a rebel army that came in and stopped it. Now imagine this, mm. just for a second, folks. What are you going to do? You're now the leader. You've stopped all this. Yeah. And uh, he later became the president. So how do you get this country united out of this mess? Uh, what would you do? Yeah, yeah, where do you begin? So what he did is – and he, he is an amazing fellow. He's like our George Washington or he's like a Nelson Mandela. He is really is extraordinary. He? What he did is he created a vision. And so this is one of the 12 principles that lead with a vision. And so what he did is he created the vision 2020. And it was that they would create a solid, vibrant, robust middle class by 2020. Wow. Everybody got focused. He said there's going to be no Hutus, no Tutsis. We're all in this together. And now this country is extraordinary. Everybody gets it. We had asked people in the taxi cabs and the hotels, mm-hmm. what's your vision? 2020. Is that what they're all saying? And, and See, it, but that's, that's a clear principle. They know what they want. They know what they're going for. And it's 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 – it's based in other principles like trust, I'm sure, and on and togetherness. Respect. And, yeah. Yeah. So you can go anywhere in that country. It's completely safe. I, I didn't fear. There's not people walking around with guns. You can walk around at night. They have respect with one another. Yeah. They're positive. And so the president said, he says, now, I love these principles. He says, because they're the ones I've been trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah. But they're making progress right now. Rwanda is the second fastest growing economy in Africa. Unbelievable. And they're on top of it. So this is an example, as you said, yeah. Matt, of anywhere on this planet. It's universal. If someone d- does these things, they can get to a better place, whether it's corporate America 
whether it's somebody within a home. Right. Uh, and so as we think about these, uh, it's lead with the vision. You talked about be true to character. Right. Uh, these are basic foundational uh, game changers. Uh, a third one, for example, is manage with the plan. So once we have a vision and Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. think of his vision. I have a dream. Well, it still resonates 50 years later and gives a certain direction of fairness and respect. Do, do we have – that? what I wonder is if we lost this president in Rwanda, how do you get the principles to the people so it's in their hearts a lot? Like Martin Luther King, you almost sometimes you wonder if we need another leader that could carry the vision that King had, you know? Well, well that is a, an enormously insightful point. Uh, it becomes a culture uh, ultimately as people practice it enough yeah. within organizations, within countries, and it can be lost. Yeah, you can I mean, one, lose one key person and if you haven't shared the principles, if they're not embedded in the heart. Yeah, our founding fathers had it. Yeah. Uh, one of the comments that uh, Governor Herbert shared was from Margaret Mead. It was a quote from her. She said, it is, it's amazing what a small – the impact a small group of committed people can have mm. on the world. So true. And then she said, and it's ever been so. And uh, it's ever been so. <laughs> it's so, true. So that's what we want to do. Now, this is a good thought. Some of these other principles, for example, uh, are important to our health and our prosperity. One of those is live in peace and balance. Mm. In this enormously busy world we have that's driven by so much technology, uh, we have to really take thought to have peace and balance in our life. Yeah. And as we do that, what actually happens is we have more energy in every other area of our life. Yeah. So we want to be thoughtful about our physical, our health, and our mental and social and emotional areas and not get too busy to not take care of those. But that's – see, what's so powerful about the principle is – if you lose the charismatic leader that also teaches the principles, if the principles are there, they'll govern themselves, right? They'll yes. – like, like living in peace and balance, that's a brilliant principle. We could spend hours talking about getting a better IT system in our company, but it's got to live the principle of peace and balance. Otherwise, you're just buying an IT system without a principle, right? Exactly. That, yes. It'll no, govern that's right. Yeah, that's it. So that's why you could instill 10 principles – and and really get the principles embedded, and it can make the rest of the decisions Everything from that. Everything else will happen. That's right. It'll That's drive why it. it's so governing. Powerful. Well, and we see that in excellent organizations yeah. that can, can go for a long time, uh, but the minute we start violating them, if we're not ahead of the game, we'll be disrupted. Right, right. Uh, Kodak was a good example. Uh, they, their strategy failed to address the new technology of, of digital photography, right. and yet they, hold mo- they held most of the patents. Uh, what they didn't do is shift their vision. So each, it's, it's how they work in concert. A friend of mine who is a, an executive with a large financial institution said, you know, people are looking for this single bullet, silver bullet yeah. of leadership. But in reality, it's a number of things that come together that create this standard mm-hmm. that ultimately creates this culture or way of being, and then you establish a momentum. So, Matt, maybe what I could do is take a couple of minutes do, yeah. and talk about something we call the, well, in our case, becoming your best success rhythm. Hmm. 
Uh, and it's different than a ro- routine. A routine has positive aspects, but it can become monotonous or just checking off the list. And it's far different than being in a rhythm. Uh, so, for example, for those who have played basketball, yeah, yeah. Uh, once they get into a rhythm on the court, uh, all of a sudden they get into something called what? Just the, the, the groove. They, the, they the, get into the yeah. groove. They get into the zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Steph what, Curry. I mean, you think of <laughs> Steph Curry. Just once he gets that touch going, then it's all automatic, isn't it? It's not thought anymore. It's just felt. And everything goes in. It's powerful. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> You're right. So you got it. Well, we can create, if we're thoughtful, our own success rhythm. And so the question is, how do we do that? Frequently, when we visit a company and do a a training within their firm or a keynote, they'll say, well, you know, we had somebody here before, and they were really good. Yeah. But after about two or three or four weeks, we started forgetting what they covered. We went back to our old ways. So we thought, well, how do we combat that? How do we help get beyond that and help people really internalize and master these principles? And so what we did is created this rhythm, and the rhythm is working on one principle a week. Love it. And then you go to the next and the next. Mm-hmm. And when you're done, you kind of reflect on your progress and you start over. Yeah. So to help people, we created an electronic support system where once a week, people can get one principle a week with the inspirational stories, examples, and activities. Mm. And we find that families are using them. Yeah. That, uh, they might take one night a week and yeah. take a few minutes on one of these teams are using these. This would be great for like the leader on the team to have his weekly meeting and just use that principle. Right. And that's what's happening. This is how you create that rhythm, uh, the culture you're talking about. And how do you make, how does a leader help transcend themselves? Yeah, right. And it is to share this with the whole team and to bring them alive. So this is available on our website for free. That's it, becomingyourbest.com? Yes. And it's free to the whole world. We have people all over the world using them. Uh, and in addition, they get this very brief daily inspirational thought, usually one or two lines. Really? Uh, and so this is what gets our thoughts going in the right way. Ralph Waldo Emerson shared one of my favorite all-time thoughts. Yeah. goes like this. Sow a thought, and you reap an action. Mm-hmm. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. And sow a character, you reap a destiny. Mm. And this is what you were just talking exactly about. Right. How do you create a destiny within families and organizations and communities. Yeah, yeah. And then it starts carrying itself, but we always have to protect it. So- I, I love that idea. I, I, um, I do a similar thing where I teach a principle, and don't you notice that because it's a principle, humans already naturally, almost intuitively, intuitively respond to the principle. So if you just, if you just ask them, <laughs> teach them the principle, and then ask them where they've seen that alive in their life, they're going to have examples of where it was there or the absence of it, but they already know the principle. It's like something about the human already knows that vision matters and they've seen it work. Then you just let them come up with their own solution. Then it's more natural. It's like trying to work on a guy's shot when he already knows how to shoot. 
Sometimes it actually creates bigger problems. Sometimes it's better to just make them shoot quickly, you know, or do something so they can just do whatever they do naturally. You're amazing, Matt. Thanks. What a great description. <laughs> but don't that you think was. the principles are just part of us? They are. We just have to. But what we get into it seems like more is charisma or how to do it, or we get so into the how to that we overlook the actual principle, and then we create a how to that doesn't jive for everybody. When people slow down and just reflect upon them, they have this feeling that you're talking about. They say, I just know that's right. And wherever we go on this planet, people have the same feeling. That's right. You've lived everywhere. You've been all over. Rwanda to Spain to (laughs) – I mean it's to Venezuela to Utah to New York. They're all there. We're we're working with a company in in Manila right now. This happens to be a company with 6,000 employees. They had the very same feeling. Oh, by the way, their vision became to be the best in what we do. That's great. Well, it's inspirational because they're changing lives. They're doing good things. And so we were able to start with the very top executives, first the 45 top and then the 190 top, all the regional managers. They had the very same response that you did as we spent a day, Uh went through each of the principles. They started seeing how they could apply these and the game changer it was for them. And their next question is, well, how do we cascade this to all 6,000 employees? Well, by working on a success rhythm, one principle a week, it becomes manageable. I love love the rhythm idea. Yeah. Because that, the rhythm, you don't, if you have to think about rhythm, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And the same thing with principles. If they just need to become such a part of you that you let it govern you. And I've just seen, because we worked with Stephen together, Stephen Covey together, that learning that as young as I did makes it so now I can see almost everything through a principle. Then it makes life a lot easier. I don't need to remember 500 strategies. I could just remember 15 principles. That's the idea. One day you wake up and you're different. Yeah. Um, it's a little hard to illustrate this on the radio, and, and, but I've always been enchanted with, with rock polishing. Have you? Yes. And so I went online and bought a rock polisher. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't very expensive, but this is like three years ago, and it came in the mail, and it's this little red machine with a canister, and it just – you plug it in, and it slowly turns. Well, it came with a bag of dirty old – Nasty rocks. Nasty rocks. <laughs> so I put these rocks in the machine with a little solution, and it's supposed to go for eight weeks. And it was in my garage, and as I came and went, I could just hear it clicking, you know, tick, 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 tick. It's going along, and it's like Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait You're for waiting. the eight weeks to <laughs> oh, get up. Heavens. I want to see what's going on here. And so sure enough, the eight weeks ends, and I pull the plug and wash these rocks. I was stunned because every single one was a beautiful rock, different colors, a different personality, beautiful, valuable. And it was stunning. Yeah. And I remembered thinking to myself that day, if, if I'm humble, if I'm willing to work on these things, the same thing can happen to me and to others. Mm -hmm. One day I can wake up and I am different. This is a precious jewel to me. And you don't have to really think about a lot. You just keep working on it. Here's – if we have enough time. Yeah, we've got well, about two more minutes. Okay. Uh, one of the principles in becoming your best is to um, work – be an, an excellent communicator. 
So we work on being effective as a communicator. There's a simple little line that goes like this. Be quick to listen and slow to wrath. Hmm. Yeah. Now think how that would change the world if people would do it. While driving their cars, while associating with one another, people get in your face and all of a sudden you look at them and say, well, thank you. Yeah. Let me just be sure I get this, what you're saying. Think how one person can make a difference. And this is leadership. Yeah. Because now you're in a position to be of help. But typically what people do is they get right back in their face or they get hurt yeah. or Game offended. On. or and, and then we're not effective in any way. So this little couplet, be quick to listen and slow to wrath, is enormously powerful versus being quick to wrath and slow mm. to listen. So true. So Stephen R. Schallenberger, uh, great, uh, just a great resource. Go look up the book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. Also go to the website, becomingyourbest.com. You can start getting that uh, free feed of the principles and start working on that so you can get in the rhythm. Stephen, thanks for Leadership 101. What Appreciate a delight you. to be with you, man. Good to have You're you amazing. here. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back, uh, do a quick review, and then uh, you know, start a whole new hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Up next, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Leadership 101, you know, we we talk politics a lot on the show, and yet as we sit here, sometimes we wonder, are the leaders that we have, are they living principles? Are, are, they, are they leading or are they just in positions? And so you think about it. It's one thing, you know, if you're going to run for president, okay, whatever, go do whatever you got to do. In all honesty, though, what's your leadership role? You're probably not going to be president of the United States, but you can still lead your family. You can still lead your friends, and uh, you can still lead at your business. Would One of the my favorite uh, leadership kind of concepts is just the simple idea, Would who would follow you and why? Why would somebody choose to follow you? Is it just because you have the position? Is it because you've, you know, you've been given the role and so you have the title? But if you've ever had a situation where you've had the title but nobody was listening to you, last night in uh, after one of my classes, I sat and spoke with a guy, a brilliant man. He's an engineer, uh, really seriously huge, amazing IQ, and yet he's in my program to, because he has uh, such a difficult time dealing with people. In fact, he, he basically said to me, man, you know, my job would be so much easier if, if I didn't have to have so many people around me. So great, brilliant, incredible engineer, yet he can't get people on board. He can't move people. So if you can't move people, then are you a leader? If nobody wants to follow you, then are you truly a leader? And if, if you can't get the buy-in you need, if you can't get people to be willing to adapt or to change, if you can't listen and understand them, then it just sounds like really you're just a positional player, right? You have the power and authority for now. Leadership and 
it's a it's a core part of what I want on the show is I don't want to just always sit here and make fun of our politicians. I'd love to see some serious leadership. I'd love to see instead of just contrasting about how opposite we are of someone else's position, I'd love to hear what your motivating vision is. What is the real plan? How are you going to change this country if you're going to step in? Don't just tell me what's wrong with the next person. What is the true, deep, passionate vision that you're bringing to the game? Because if you can get me bought into it, man, I'll follow a good leader. So are senators better or are governors better? I don't necessarily care as long as you know how to lead, right? There's something, if you notice what uh, Steve Schallenberger was bringing up, he brought up Gandhi. He brought up uh, Mandela. He brought up um, Martin Luther King. He brought up these people. He brought up Stephen Covey. We bring up leaders because we want to follow these people. And so we can live a life of, I guess, quiet desperation and frustrated and uh, hoping that someone else is going to take charge. But in your home, you have a bunch of little kids or older kids that are looking to you, grandkids that are looking up to you to be a leader. And this country, this world needs a lot more of them. And I personally believe most of us are, are leaders and we're doing it in a way that's quiet But man, how could you go against certain principles like never giving up? Leaders don't give up. doesn't mean they don't change course. They might need to change course if it's not working. Leaders live in balance and peace. These are some of the principles from Schallenberger's book, Becoming Your Best. Leaders apply the power of knowledge. They're accountable. Leaders innovate through imagination. They effectively communicate. They build and maintain trust. They have a vision. They have a plan. They prioritize. Ah, Leadership 101. And folks, again, it's not something we should just expect from everybody else. It truly is something we need to bring. And the the power of, uh, I think, positioning our lives and our leadership in principles, it makes it so much easier. Because then once I'm living basic principles— I don't need to worry about the outcome because the principles will bring the outcome. People that plan are going to have a better shot than people that don't plan. Yeah, well, I like to just improvise a lot. Okay, great. Then plan your improvisation. (laughs) Plan it. Be prepared for it. Study for it. My best moments are when I improvise something, but it was based on the fact that I had already crammed and studied and read and thought about it for 15 hours. Then in the moment, I could improvise, and it seemed flawless and brilliant. Powerful stuff, folks. Leadership 101. Are you that kind of leader, and what are the principles you're using to govern your life by? That's that's the question. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're doing what we can on the program, folks, to help you find the good in the world. For heaven's sakes, it is good. There's a lot of it out there. We just need to go grab it and uh, and lead the, our lives through healthier principles. We'll take a break. Come back next hour. We're going to be talking to our tech guru, Jay McFarland. All things tech next hour right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're going to be talking with our tech guru, Jay McFarland. He takes all things techie and makes them a little more simple to understand. I just don't get all things tech. Do you? Well, we're going to find out. Tons of great topics coming up. Uh, You know, Jay McFarland. He's a tech guru. He's kind of like our our very own Jimmy Birdsall. Jimmy's new name. Jimmy Birdsall after Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Hendrix and Jimmy... Kimmel. Kimmel. You Hendrix. have to be named Jimmy to be successful in this industry. Uh, night, yes. Is it true you wanted me to call you Jimmy Crack Corn? Uh, yes. Jiminy Cricket? Yep. Some of the greatest people were Jim. Jimmy Carter? Named Jimmy. Keep going. Jimmy. Jimmy Dean? Jimmy Dean. <laughs> Made breakfast some what of, it is today. Some of the best sausage out <laughs> Paula Dean's husband, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, great day going on today. Um, anything, anything interesting in the news? Not Any, so great things happening. Anything at times? I heard they lost three bikers. Well, there were the three bikers that the Waco Police Department allowed to walk out of prison. Hey, hey where'd those bikers go? They had, each were supposed to be a million dollars bail to get out. They got out with fifty thousand dollars bail. One of them has uh, a bulletproof vest, basically on. So you walk out well, the door. Don't don't they all have bulletproof vests? You'd hope, I guess, if they're living that lifestyle. But uh, yeah, so there was a mistake made. Three of them, three of the uh, 170 you know, bikers. But there's 170 yeah, bikers. They got 170 right. They're, they were trying to process them all. Come on. And there was a mistake. So and, and some of them weren't even real bikers. Some just, of them were just trying to eat at this <laughs> restaurant. I would love to see how that conversation went down with the person processing. So uh, what what was your bail again? Yeah, um, twenty fi- grand, fifty thousand. Uh, okay. Okay. Sure. Sounds uh, great. Next. You're, you're that done. checks. <laughs> Next. That's so funny. The uh, the biker situation continues. Okay. Uh, estimated twenty one thousand gallons of oil leaked off the California coast yesterday. Oh boy. The uh, ruptured pipeline estimated to have dropped twenty one thousand gallons of oil into the ocean off of Santa Barbara County oh, coast. Oh no. Uh, U.S. Coast Guard said that by three forty five p.m. the leak had left a four mile long sheen of oil along the state beach. The leak was first spotted at noon. Uh, passersby on the beach were like, There's, what's that smell? What's that smell? They call oil? it in and they started noticing the oil. And investigators on the scene are trying to determine what caused the leak and to coordinate cleanup efforts. Sad. Santa Barbara, they've had a few of those little problems out there. So they'll have to adjust for that. Now, now yeah, now you're going to. Your mom's going to say, do you want me to rub some oil on you or some stuff on your back? No, mom, I've got no. a black Just go swimming. film on my back now. Sad. A new report from a nonprofit RAND corporation shows that ISIS finances are incredibly strong despite U.S.-led airstrikes aimed at cutting off the group's revenue. ISIS collects over $1.2 billion in 2014. Wow. RAND's report shows the breakdown is more interesting. $600 million of it came from extortion and taxation, $500 million from robbing banks, only $100 million from oil infrastructure. People figure, felt yeah. like they were moving into areas, taking over oil fields, and they were using that. But only $100 million. It's all the other corrupt stuff. What an interesting little line item. 
like who's the head of corruption and whatever the first category was. Well, the CFO for ISIS apparently was taken captured. out on Monday. His That's wife why, was captured. Yeah. He was killed. And then there was a woman that apparently was a slave that uh, she's going to be reunited with her family. That was the way the story read. Uh, they, the airstrikes, according to the New York Times, have been trying to cut off refineries that ISIS was uh, controlling. Uh, they now earn more than a million a day from ex- extortion and taxation alone. Wow. So by extorting people and then taxing the people they now have control over, a million a day. Wait till they get into like pharmaceutical cells. They even made three hundred million last year from taxing the salaries of Iraqi government workers in ISIS-controlled territory. <laughs> they're going to start taxing all of the all of the cities and all there. This is they're turning into a a state. This is becoming a this real is, caliphate. This is why they say they're a caliphate. They're operating as a government. They're, it's pretty soon they'll have their own IRS. They may are they are they're already collecting taxes. ISIS put the I in IRS. So crazy. Knox, this this came out the other day. Now a, are we winning this war? No. I think it's a stalemate at the point. It, it depends on who you talk well, we to. We lost Ramadi and yeah. apparently we're not winning the financial battle. No. It, it depends on who you talk to. There's uh Well, uh Gates Defense Secretary Gates, uh, ex-Defense Secretary, he's now – he's coming out saying we've got to get our game on. Yeah. We're not playing. We're right. not targeting leaders. We're trying to – We're not winning this thing. Uh, get a proxy to go in and fight the battle for us type of thing. So they're, they're drawing us into something that's going to probably become bigger. Yeah. So um, four cancer charities – ran a massive scam for decades that saw $187 million in donations funneled into the pockets of its leaders oh, and boy. virtually nothing going to the charity. The Federal Trade Commission uh, put out a report on Tuesday. Investigators said the Cancer Fund of America, Cancer Support Services, Children's Cancer Fund of America, and the Breast Cancer Society were all linked to one director, James Reynolds Sr., Donors were told that money raised would pay for transport to transport people to chemotherapy and buy pain medication. These were lies, the FTC says. Oh boy! It was joined by in a a complaint, which was joined by all fifty states, which usually doesn't happen. Yeah. Usually, there's somebody who doesn't join on, but all fifty states donations have enriched the small group of individuals. Prosecutors say Reynolds was joined by the scam by his son, friends, church members, all while spending less than 3% of donations on cancer-related causes. Man, alive. How, how much? $170 million. $187 million. Unbelievable. I mean, there, there should be certain penalties for that kind of crime that are different than any other crime. You're playing on the sympathies of people. Yes. Taking advantage. And, you're lying. And, and cancer victims, too. Mm-mm. Not good. The Patriots accepted their punishment from the NFL. Now, this is uh, tell me this is not an about face. Kraft and uh, Goodell. What's his, Goodell, Roger Goodell. They've obviously had a meeting. They did. They hugged uh, it out. All the owners were like, "Look, Kraft, you cheated. Come on, just have it. Just take just your take, take your, your, your punishment. Take your punishment." So they're going to take the million dollar fine. They're going to lose the draft picks. Tom Brady has already been suspended for four games and his role in the scandal and previously that he plans to appeal. So we're not sure if the Patriots accepting the punishment I hear is also Brady dropping an appeal oh, okay. or is he going to continue? I heard he's going to continue. So see what so happens this is, there. this is ownership saying, smile, take smile it. Smile and take it. Now does Tom Brady do that? Yeah, we don't know. He won't. Uh, the NFL announced yesterday that players will now try for extra points from the 15-yard line instead of the 2-yard line. 
Wow. Two-point tries will still be kicked from the two-yard line. Defenses can now um, also return fumble or intercepted two-point attempts to score two points themselves. It used to be extra points were just yeah. – the two-point conversion, it was just down right there. Now they can return it for two points. So if you want to one, run 100 yards for two points, go ahead. This is exciting. I mean, that, changing and block, it – And blocked extra points can also be returned. Oh, can you really? Oh, so that's a live ball. That'll so, be really so, fun. Yeah. Before it was just you kick it, okay, dead ball. Now okay, this is making ball. an already exciting game even more exciting. I mean, like a, a two-yard kick, that was nothing, right? That right. was What was that, a t- – 12-yard kick. It's not automatic anymore. Now, yeah. It's a 30-yard kick. <laughs> this is exciting. The Boy Scouts. Yeah. They've adjusted rules. What? A summer rite of passage in the dog days of summer won't be available to Boy Scouts at their camps or other activities because the group recently announced a ban on the use of water guns for anything other than target practice and a limit on water balloons. Oh, so they're taking away the, the fun water fight, fighting sports. Yes, no water fights. It says water guns, rubber band guns must only be used to shoot at targets, and eye protection must be worn. Was was this a problem? Apparently. This is in the new Boy Scout handbook that was just published recently. For it seems like other things should be, a be new, in that handbook. Well, a new rule for water balloons dictates the size and origin. No more puffed-up balls of latex for traditional water balloon fights. Water balloons... They use small biodegradable balloons. Okay. They must be filled no larger than a ping pong ball. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know. And the reason, the reason behind it all? Yes. A scout is kind. Right. Throwing water projectiles at each other is not a kind act. Holding a, a, a gun full of water and shooting somebody with it is not a not kind good. act. Have they ever been to a scout camp? I don't know. I, I don't mean- <laughs> I don't. There's a lot of there's a lot of things going on at scout camps. I mean, they they should have rules like you're not allowed to brand a squirrel. There you go. You're not allowed. <laughs> That's to a good one. Yeah. Create a snare trap for your fellow campers. You're not allowed to, you know, put bear bait. Right. In these, your... these are all good. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're covered in the handbook. But no water balloons, no water guns, no rubber band guns. Well, rubber those, band guns. those water balloons are going to be indestructible. Yes. They're so small. Ping pong size. They will never, ever break. <laughs> They'll be throwing But it's not a problem. You're throwing rocks. them at targets. But now it's okay. going to be a, a, cups. a scout is loyal, trustworthy, and frustrated. And frustrated. Every time he plays water sports. <laughs> These water balloons won't break, and, and there, there, Jones. There was a comment on the story I read where the guy's like, what fun is it to buy a super soaker to shoot at a target? Who does that? That's so interesting. You buy a super soaker to shoot other people with water. Well, what's interesting is it made it made the headlines. Yes. Is that, is that just because you're a big scouter? No, I just saw the story. I thought it was ridiculous. Well. But that's my opinion. You can have your own opinion yeah, on the sure. story. Maybe you think that water fights need to be somehow regulated. I, for one, love throwing water balloons the size of ping pong balls at cups. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's I can't so much fun. Make scout camp all the more fun. It's almost like not worth filling them up then. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a waste of time. Interesting. Well, there's your scouting news. By the way, from a bunch of Eagle Scouts, probably. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well. Sorry, Scouts. Sorry we ruined it for you. We've got a great uh, segment coming up. It's called What the Tech? Jay McFarland, our tech guru, will be joining us. We like to pick his brain. All things tech. We're asking him a bunch of questions from, you know, everything... With with Elon Musk and what's going on with all of his battery and finagling to self-driving trucks 
to just his own little adventure. He had a really, Jay had a really weird thing happen to him. Uh, we'll, we'll let Jay explain it. Up next, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, in the What the Tech segment, uh, our great tech guru, Jay McFarland, is joining us. Jay, he's been an entrepreneur. He's, he's, he's actually run 42 restaurants for a natu- national corporation. He has a really uh, well-known talk show here um, in the Intermountain area called The Browsers. And uh, he also is... A he's a, an app builder. He has 100 plus apps under his belt. If you go to jmcfarland.com, you can check it out. Plus, he teaches you how to build apps. He's all things tech, all things guru. Jay McFarland, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, good morning, Matt. It's great talking to you. Good talking to you. Now, uh, you we got to start this whole thing with this crazy thing that happened with Connor. Yes. What on earth? Okay, this is the strangest story for me. Okay, explain to us. You went through a little tech drama. Well, yeah, it's it's not just strange. It's scary. And yeah. it's a warning for every adult and every parent of any child that has a phone out there. I just received a random text message from a Utah number, and it said, Hey, I, I saw your number in the back of a textbook. I didn't recognize the number. I didn't know who it was, just out of the blue. Hmm. And I showed it to my co-hosts, and we've kind of gotten in the habit of responding to scam emails and scam texts yeah. to find out what what the process is so that we can educate our listeners. So she said, you have to respond to that. And I said, uh, who's asking? And then they said, I don't know, who's this? And I thought, okay, let's let's set up a ruse here to see what uh-huh. their in- intent is. So I said, my name is Amy. I'm a 15-year-old girl. What's your name? Oh, boy. And it came back Connor, uh, a 14-year-old who goes to a middle school here in Utah. <laughs> and what was scary is a, within about three texts, Connor was inviting who he thought was a 15-year-old girl to participate in online role play of a quote sexual or non sexual. Oh my nature. heavens. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, encouraging me because I'm like, oh, my dad would kill me. I can't do that. And he's like, oh, just delete the text messages. I do it all the time. Your parents will never see it. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. It, within a matter of about five minutes, Matt, we were freaking out like, uh, this is this is criminal. What's what, happening here? Was this going on and during your show, or were you just doing this well, while you were off air? Just the text came during the show, and Holy then cow. we were going through this process off the air. And uh, I busted the kid a couple of times. I made I asked him what school he went to, and I pulled up the website and I said, "Quick, within five seconds, tell me who your school mascot is." He couldn't. And then yeah. he's like, "I swear I'm a teen. I swear." And what teen says that, right? Yeah, right. And then I said, okay, send me a selfie. And then he says, oh, I, I don't know how to send a selfie with, <laughs> with my phone. And I'm like, okay. Unbelievable. So clearly this is an adult. It's like fishing. It's a, just, yeah. Yeah. So we said, okay, what do we do? And uh, fortunately, we have uh, an investigative reporter at KSL 
who used to work for the FBI. Cool. Her, she, her Debbie DeGeneres. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so uh, so we we hand the text over to Debbie, and I speak with the FBI uh, investigator for quite a while. And we find out some scary things about what they're trying to do. And uh, what they're looking for, Matt, is to get some teenager, boy or girl, they don't care, to send a picture that's inappropriate eventually. Uh, so you yeah. start out with the role playing and they just want one picture. And then once they get the picture, turn on you and they say, if you don't send us more, we're going to tell your parents what you did. Or if you don't send us money, we're mm. going to tell your parents. Yeah. Or Extortion. if you don't come and meet us, we're going to tell your parents what you did. And so you have this teenager who, who, who immediately knows they did something wrong, but they're stuck. Yeah. Right? Because they don't want mom and dad to know because they know what happened there. They'll lose their phone or whatever it is. And uh, so many of these teenagers have got, gotten themselves in scary, crazy situations. Uh. Uh, all from this, you know, email. Hey, saw your number in the back of a textbook. Well, yep. and that could just be a random thing, right? That could just be, they could have just thrown your number out there and then change it a digit and try it again and change it a digit and try it again. Yeah, what's scary is I've received it again since. The have same you really? exact text. So now you're on a list. And, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my heavens. And and the, so since we did the story, it aired on, on uh, KSL 5 News and on our show, I can't tell you how many people we've had uh, of every age say that they've had a similar thing happen to them, uh, either saying I, I used to be in school with you or anything to just kind of prompt that relationship. What they said was scary about uh, my situation with Connor is normally they'll try and establish a relationship, you know, for a couple of weeks or months before they they invite you to do something. This guy just dove right in. I mean, Holy it, it was seriously about four texts in. I was being invited to participate in this behavior, which is just scary. Yeah. We tried to call the guy back and confront him. And of course he kept hanging up on us and there's no question. He was a four, not a 14 year old boy. This right. is an adult doing this. But is it, do you believe, does the FBI believe it's even someone in, in the state? I mean, I know the yeah. number is, but it, so it really is just some guy in the state. I was thinking this yeah. could be something in, you know, Africa where there's a whole group of people sitting in a room doing it. Well, they did say that does happen a lot. And uh, the it's very important to know because people are like, oh, I just look at the caller ID, uh, that your caller ID can be spoofed. In fact, a lot of the people said, I picked up the phone because it was my own number calling me. Oh, and they're like, well, how, what's going on? My own number's calling me. Yeah. Some mistake is going on. They can spoof that caller ID as from any location, from anywhere. We've heard, you know, people calling up saying they, they're the IRS, and the caller ID says they're the IRS, <sighs> and they say, you owe money, and we're going to come down and arrest you if you don't pay. So th- that's important to know. They can spoof the caller ID. But the bigger thing to know is that, Matt, I think we need to address our teenagers yep. long before this text ever comes. They they need and, to know that they need because you, you don't know if the, your kids already had this happen. That's right, that's right. And they said uh, the FBI said some of the warning signs are, and you know this, typical of your teenager in any situation where they've gotten in too deep, they'll start to uh, disassociate with you. They'll mm-hmm. become distant. 
they're not hanging out with friends like they used to. They become very secluded. Those are the warning signs. I, I believe the key, though, is to sit your kids down. And I actually showed this text message string to my children. And That's I said, smart. here, read this. And, you know, number one, don't ever get involved in a conversation with people you don't know, either in an online game or via text and start participating this way. But the other thing is, don't ever let yourself believe that giving in to somebody like this is worse than coming to us. Yeah, your mom we and dad. We will fight for you, right? We're on your side. You make mistakes. We know that. You can come to us because the reason this extortion works is they're afraid to go to mom and dad. That's right, that's right. Well, I've and seen this done, Jay, with husbands, where yeah. uh, a wife will text a very similar pattern but it's a woman doing it and then she gets in a conversation then some some bad emails go back and forth and then they extort money out of the husband because yeah, i'll tell your wife aren't you married isn't your wife named stacy don't you have six yeah. kids don't you and then all here we go i see it yeah, i mean i've seen it like with four or five immune. clients it's crazy yeah adults are not immune and we see it with uh single adults too this whole catfishing thing yeah totally where you think you have a relationship with uh we know somebody right now who we are convinced is having a relationship with somebody that ultimately is going to ask for money like help i'm in trouble uh -huh. but the guy thinks he's in he has this new gorgeous girlfriend oh, and geez. we went online and we did a reverse image search of these pictures and they're off some stock website oh, and so now we're trying to decide how to tell the guy uh, girlfriend isn't real. We gotta. <laughs> that's what we gotta do. These stories because this is. Yeah. People don't. And, and I mean, my kid the other day is like, "Hey, what am I supposed to do with this guy, Amir, whatever, who wants to friend me on Facebook?" Yeah. We're like, no. Do you know Amir? Don't. No. Don't. Yeah. But but with everything now, you know, we live in the world where where our kids don't have to go looking for it. You know, when we grew up, if yeah. we saw something inappropriate, oftentimes you ha you had to go searching for yeah, it. Yeah, it was in the but alley. Nowadays, <laughs> yeah, nowadays it will find you. It yeah. will find our kids. It will find us as adults. It found me. Yeah. And so if we're not preparing our kids for it, that's a failing on our part, for well, sure. And, and the dead giveaway was a textbook, because anybody that knows you, Jay, knows you haven't been near a textbook for 50 years. <laughs> Ever, ever. <laughs> so crazy. Oh, my heavens. I don't believe in that. <laughs> That's kind of that rude. Education. Uh, I know. Order stuff. Come Overrated. Uh, we're talking with our tech guru, Jay McFarland. Jay, hang on, my friend. I want to come back and get into all of this. Elon Musk, man, he's quite a guy. Uh, he's into everything. So I want to find out your take on some of his latest and greatest we're talking tech, my friends, with Jay McFarland. Go to his website, jmcfarland.com. Find out uh, more just about everything. He's got videos there, information you can use to build your own apps. He's the real deal. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Friends to the Matt Townsend Show. 
On the phone with us is our tech guru, Jay McFarland. This is the What the Tech segment. And uh, we like to have Jay on the show. If you go to his website, jaymcfarland.com, just a great resource. The man is, um, I think he's a renaissance man. He's into everything. He's written two books. Uh, He also has designed 100-plus apps and now trains people on how to make, uh, make an app, put together your own apps. He also is the host of The Browsers, one of the co-hosts there, um, which is just a wonderful show about technology and kind of what you can find if you just go browsing. Jay McFarland, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you, sir. He's also a friend of Connor, a guy that's been (laughs) texting him because he found his name in a textbook. That is the scariest story ever. And so, honestly, the, the, the funny thing is, of all the people that happened to, it happened to you. Right. Which is great, because I probably would just be dating Connor right now. Yeah, you'd be sending him money and pictures. <laughs> I would have like, yeah, Connor needs thousands of dollars to get out of jail. Hey, um, talk to me about uh, Elon Musk. This guy, a lot of people may not have heard of him, but if you've heard of Tesla yeah, and the home, he, he's just kind of the the um, electric car guru guy, but he's the battery guy, and he's now apparently going to be the Hyperloop guy. Yeah, well, and he's also the SpaceX guy. You That's right, the SpaceX. That. Yeah, so uh, this guy is, I don't know, kind of a modern-day Edison. I mean, Tesla Motors really kind of scaring the auto industry in general because of these electric vehicles that would go up to 250 miles on a single charge. Wow. But these cars cost between ninety and one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. There's a new one that's been announced. The Model Three may see by the end of 2017. This thing's supposed to retail at about thirty five thousand dollars. So you could have a Tesla then, for thirty five grand. Yeah, and then you get about seventy five hundred dollars in government incentives. Holy cow. You're now under thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. For a car that will go two hundred, two hundred fifty miles on a charge. And they're building free charging stations around the country. So you could you could charge for free. But one of the other things they're doing, I don't know if you've seen this video. It's worth watching on YouTube. They actually have a robot where you, you pull the car. Say you want to fill up. You pull the car into this bay. This robot reaches under the car. It pulls out the entire battery pack and replaces it with brand new fully charged batteries. And it does it in half the time it takes to fill your tank right now. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. So that's their plan is you could fill up at a Tesla station in half the time, get brand new batteries, and everybody's worried about battery life and quality. You get it, you get brand new batteries every time you fill up. Unbelievable. And just drive off. Yeah. That's smart. You just know? kind of like yeah. trade in, trade out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's that. So this Hyperloop, is that what... Is yeah, that talk about the Hyperloop. I mean, but so Elon Musk is just, a, I guess he's a billionaire, but, yes. what, but he's just, he really is just a curious kind of entrepreneur. Well, and he's the type that wants to, he really legitimately wants to change the world. He's made all of his patents for Tesla available to the public. Take them. Because, yeah, because he wants, he really wants to change. So the hyper—if you've ever been to a bank and you, a bank drive-through and you put your money in that pneumatic tube and it yeah. goes, yeah. right? Yeah. He wants to build a transportation system with similar technology, and his first attempt is supposed to be from L.A. 
to San Francisco, where uh, a tube, one of those tubes, could transport 28 people that distance in 20 minutes or 25 minutes. Holy cow. And they would travel at upwards of 700 miles per hour. Now, can your so that, body do that? <laughs> I guess I, it can. <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah. Some, some bodies more than others. I know, I think. seriously. I mean, I think the starting's <laughs> the easy part. It's the stop that's going to kill you. Yeah. So the news today is they have secured uh, a piece of property where they're going to build the first test track. Now, according to his numbers, from San Francisco to L.A. would only cost him about $8 billion. Yeah. Uh, the number that they're looking at to be to build the high-speed rail system. This is the, is the controversial rail system that's like we're building this multi-billion-dollar rail system for what? Seventy billion. Seventy billion. He says he can do it for eight. They're planning on spending seventy. Ugh. So this this test track is a pretty big deal. And his vision, his initial vision, was a hyperloop across the country. So from here to New York, Man. that you could do in in a very short period of time. Just hop in one of those tubes and go. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. So so that's the latest. He's also, if you hear about SpaceX and those those recyclable rockets that are supposed to land on this pad, mm-hmm. that's also uh, part of his vision, sending tourists and supplies and all those types of things to space. It's currently how we're resupplying the uh, International Space Station is partly through his rockets that they've designed. So he's, he's yeah. You know, it Everywhere. seems like after the whole Amtrak uh, accident recently, maybe having the hypertube may not be a great idea. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, you know, hard to say. Or we could just get our current trains up to date with the most current safety. You there know. you go. And that could probably be done for available. a lot less. So, yeah. so Elon Musk, he's the real deal. He also is the battery king, though, isn't that? I mean, because yeah. if, if he gets the batteries down, he's pretty much going to own the world. Yeah, and this was a really interesting announcement a few months ago that I think a lot of people glazed over because it it really was tied into those who have solar power right now. This is a battery that would go in your home, mount on your wall. And it could store a day's charge in it. Hmm. And the idea is that it would be a cheaper and longer-lasting way for people with solar power uh, to, uh, to save that power throughout the day. The part of the equation that was missed is that people – and I, uh, right now the price is, is a little too high. It will come down – is that this battery would be a smart battery, and in theory – it would charge itself during the lowest peak times of the day so that you could charge it when power is the cheapest, even huh. from the grid, and then it would kick on during the high peak hour. Oh, there you go. So it would balance out your your energy needs, and it, that would really help the grid if you think about it. Yeah. Because the grid, you know, it gets punished, and there's some states where they still go through rolling blackouts during the hottest months of the summer because it just can't handle that constant demand. Well, what if people were charging up for that time period in the middle of the night? And then when it got high grid time, all these batteries kicked in. Suddenly the grid could handle that and everybody's costs would go down because in theory you wouldn't have peak times. You would be able to distribute it evenly throughout all of these homes. Now they'd all have to have these battery systems but again, that's kind of his long-term vision of a way to to solve that problem, save everybody a bunch of money, 
also saved the environment along the way. Mm. You know, that's cool. This is a it's this is a fun time to live, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, well, I wouldn't live any other time. Well, I know you wouldn't have met Connor and you wouldn't be. <laughs> no, no. It, how would I survive without technology? I yeah. would have had to read textbooks. You'd have to, like, go get a real job. Yeah. That would be crazy. <laughs> you wouldn't just be able to play around. Hey, what's the deal with Apple trying to kill Spotify? Uh, this is uh, this so, is interesting. That's a big deal. Spotify is kind of a it's free music, right? Yeah, well, they're kind of like Pandora. They have a dual service, so they have a free service where there are ads, and then they have a paid service. And they have about sixty million subscribers. And what Apple is trying to do is chase them out of the free. Mm. And and they're kind of the reports are they're kind of being aggressive about it. They have a great relationship with a lot of record labels. Uh, record labels don't necessarily like the free, is what they're saying. So Apple's saying we're going to offer a streaming service ourselves. It will be a little bit cheaper than Spotify or Pandora, and we will have some type of free element, but there won't be ads that come with it. Um, and so you may see something like that, uh, you soon now they remember they bought the beats headphones. Yeah. They yeah. Bought that. Yeah. That already had a streaming service attached to it. So some are saying it will, it will be that service possibly, or it will just be your iTunes and it will link into the whole iTunes, uh, database. It's not really clear how that's going to roll out. Yeah. What is clear is it sounds like they're talking to record labels. Uh, trying to chase away the free option, which will disappoint a lot of people. Sure. Uh, because they love that free streaming, and they don't mind a couple of commercials here and there along the way. But even but even on um, on Apple's on iTunes, you'll still have free radio, right? Like there are yeah. little free radio, but there will be a lot of ads in between. That's kind of the – I don't know about ads. I think that they're saying that they can do it. They can satisfy uh, some level of free without the ads. That's really the question. That's cool. But I can't answer. Yeah, that'd be great. Hey, uh, what uh, what what are you thinking about? What's when you you're the tech guru? What else do we need to be paying attention to? Well, one of the, one of the biggest things that we talk about almost every day is autonomous vehicles, the old self driving car. Yeah, and I want it. I, I want, want it now bad. I want to sleep or text or totally. whatever on the way to work. I take you know the uh, train here, front runner, yep. on a regular basis, and it, it allows me to do that. Uh, but I'm sure you saw this announcement that they're going to be testing out big trucks, semi trucks in Nevada, uh, on the road with other drivers. Oh man, that are driving themselves. Yeah, and that <laughs> does that not scare you to death? That totally does. <laughs> but you know that in a way that is so. I guess they'll. I guess you'll always need a truck driver to sit behind the wheel, yeah. but that's a scary yeah, thing. These these are the big rigs. Yeah, with a full payload, right? Yeah. But you're right. They they will require that somebody is still behind the wheel, but when they get on the highway, the technology exists right now for that that vehicle or that car to just keep going. You can buy a high-end luxury vehicle right now. You put it in cruise control. It will do everything for you. It'll change lanes. It'll slow down. It'll hit the brake. Holy cow! You, you, you still need to kind of pay attention. Uh, even Nissan announced, I think yesterday, that by 2020 they'll have fully autonomous vehicles, and they're saying what everybody else is saying. We, they're saying we will all be ready for fully autonomous vehicles before governments are ready to give us permission to do it. Oh come on! So right now, yeah, yeah. 
so right now the real question is how are legislatures going to deal with this technology? And Nevada being one of the leaders, they, they have given licenses to this company who's testing these semi-trucks. They've given licenses to a lot of other companies. And I'll tell you, when we were at the Consumer Electronics Show in January, my co-host and I, we were able to get behind the wheel of an autonomous vehicle. Yeah. And when I say autonomous, I'm going to do air quotes because we almost died. It didn't work very well. <laughs> you almost died, but it, it didn't well, work? it almost rear-ended the car in front of us. Did you really? The guy behind, yeah, the guy behind the wheel had to slam on the brakes. Uh, <laughs> it, not... The, the technology is not, not quite, quite there. there yet, but it's getting close. But I'll tell you, I just picked up a new vehicle. It warns me when I'm when I'm getting too close to the car in front of me. The seat vibrates when I when I move out of the lane I'm in without signaling. The seat vibrates, and and so it's like the whole time I'm driving, the, the seat's yelling at me, and I'm getting all <laughs> these warnings and things. Well, that and doesn't I'm, sound I'm, pleasant. That doesn't sound pleasurable. Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to sleep if my seat keeps vibrating? <laughs> Well, if it's doing all the driving, okay. then, That's then a different game. it won't do that, right? But right now, I'm doing the driving, and I realize maybe I'm not the best driver that I thought I was. <laughs> Are you getting feedback? And, yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. My car is... But the other thing is I'm becoming a lazy driver. Yeah, I am too, actually. Because, uh, you know, you have blind spot sensors now. Mm-hmm. So do do I take the time to turn my head? Do I really need to look? Next to me? <laughs> no. I don't need to look. I have a backup camera. Do I really nah. need to turn all the way around and look? And so then I've been driving this car for a while, and and I get in my wife's car, and she doesn't have all this tech, and I realize I'm out of the habit of this stuff. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good thing. No, you know? it's. I don't think it is. I think some. We all have these cars. Well, th- th- but how great really it would be the day if I could just th- kind of sit there and think. Maybe eat a little hamburger while I'm driving. Yeah. Maybe yeah. get a massage. You know. Well, you you saw the survey yesterday that was released that, that people fully admit to uh, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, and even video chatting while behind the wheel of a vehicle. What, what percentage? So we lost it 30, on. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. And so my preference would be if. They're going to be doing that, and they're supposed to be in charge of the car. Mm-hmm. Let's just let the car take control yeah. because people people are still doing it. Even though the laws have changed, they're still doing it. Right. And, and, and still, it would be – it's going It's going to be a hard adjustment for the government, all the legislators to get this through. But in the end, it, it, it's going when – they're, when, they're re- when the car manufacturers are ready to release it, it's going to be close. No, you're right. And the other thing is the federal government is pushing all car manufacturers right now to put in this V2V technology. I don't know if you've heard Mm-mm, about this. No. Vehicle to vehicle. So they want every car on the road to communicate with every other car on the road to say, here I am, here's how fast I'm going, and be aware that I'm here. Yeah, I and like then that. Your, and then your car can react. And then you think about the broader spectrum of that connect that to the street lights in town connect that to traffic flow systems and you could instantly know where things are built you could reroute traffic you could change you know street lights and you could also almost probably almost eliminate uh collisions because cars would know well before you do that other cars are there and your car will react 
faster than you can, huh. I really believe you could eliminate car oh, accidents. Yeah, totally. The, you know, the problem is then you need pedestrians carrying around a little broadcaster too, you know. Well, they're, they've already got a technology. phone. We just probably need to have a little yeah. pinger. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that exactly could be, right. yeah, that could be reverse engineered. So you actually end up hitting people, but it could that's, be also designed to just, this is where I'm standing. Interesting. Yes. And the key there is you have privacy concerns, right? Yeah, totally. It's always about that. Can it be used to track people? Yeah. Will it send out more information than just metadata? You know, just very, very generic Basic, information. Yeah. Well, doesn't have to be asked. You, you always make us think, Jay. You always make us think. Well, we appreciate you, my friend. The tech guru, Jay McFarland, he really has got the insight. He does this all day. He just thinks and reads and thinks, and then he takes the train in, sleeps. Uh, go check out his website, jmcfarland.com. We'll take a break. We'll come back, do a, a quick uh, little list I've put together, top 10 signs that technology has taken over your life. That'll be up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Just talking with Jimmy Crack Corn <laughs> about an upcoming doctor's appointment. It's fun. It's fun talking to you, Jimmy. I love talking to you off the air. That's great. <laughs> off the air. Well, I, I learned so many things about the effectiveness of tape. Yeah. Just stuff like that. You got to tape. I have my foot taped up because I'm going to the doctor for a little plantar fasciitis. Yep. It's a taping issue. Anyway, it's a technical thing. Hey, uh, top 10 signs. I put this together. Top 10 signs that technology has taken over your life. This is where you know you've let tech go too far. Are you ready? This is, by the way, top 10, which is a celebration of David Letterman's retirement today. David was the inventor of the top 10 list. He's been doing it for eons. Top 10 signs. Technology has taken over your life. Number 10, you call your kids to dinner using a mass email function on your cell phone. And everyone is physically in the home. No one is outside of the home, but you bring, you call everyone to dinner. You don't even have a dinner bell anymore. You just call everyone to dinner with technology. Number nine, you run out of electrical outlets to plug in all of your chargers. We already have that problem. We have, we have chargers everywhere in our home. Uh, we also have six people that use electronic devices. Number eight, your kids are too busy texting friends to worry about fighting with each other on long drives in the car. The kids don't remember, but back in the day, you used to have to actually talk to each other. You didn't have anything to do inside a car except bug your brother or your sister. So sure, technology is improving a lot of relationships. However, none of us are talking. Number seven, you don't want to comment on your friend's pictures they posted on Facebook because you don't want them to think that you're a creeper. You've seen every post. Have you ever had that situation where you've, you've been creeping on somebody? Creeping is the technical term when you're actually out like eavesdropping into somebody else's Facebook page, maybe even somebody you don't know. Uh, by the way, my daughter found her husband by creeping. It was kind of creepy. And um, But have you ever had a situation where you know something about somebody? Like, oh, I know, yeah, I heard you went to Cancun. But you don't want to actually admit you know that because the only way you could know it is by being a creeper. 
Oh, it's a sad, tragic day. Number six, your child no longer uh, calls and asks where you are because they are at home tracking your location using the GPS function of your cell phone. It used to be like, Mom, where are you? And now it's like, Mom, when are you going to leave the store? scary tracking number five you think the quote an apple a day keeps the doctor away somehow means that your iphone ipad or imac actually improves your health number four you actually feel a startle or panic when you realize you haven't updated your status on facebook all day long ah that is the worst feeling i've got to post something top 10 signs again technology has taken over your life number three Three, your children only want to eat at training table. That's a restaurant here in Utah so that they can call in their order. The The funny thing about training table, I don't know if it's a national chain or not, but you actually use a phone and you call in your order from the table. That was, by the way, invented back in the day before you had four phones at your table. Uh, number two, the number two uh, sign that technology may be killing your relationship You think that your Facebook followers actually want to hear about how messy your house is or the latest funny thing that your child did. Not true. And the number one top sign that technology is killing your life and your relationships, you realize that those precious few minutes of free time that you used to enjoy in the bathroom have now been replaced with an excellent moment to catch up on your texting. (sighs) Tragic. Top 10 signs technology has taken over your life. You know, you'd think it'd be a good thing, and it is, except can you leave it? If I asked you right now to just set your phone down, walk away, would you be devastated? If, have you ever forgotten your phone recently? I mean, a lot of times you won't even allow that to happen. You'll lose, you'll lose a child before you lose your phone. But uh, would you be able to go an entire day without your cell phone? Mm, think that over. What else in your life has that level of connection and impact to you, that you couldn't go an entire day. You go an entire day not talking to your kids. Would you be willing to go an entire day not having your cute little phone in your little hand? Anyway, that uh, is, that's it. That's Coach's Corner. Tech 101. We've had it. That's the What the Tech segment. We're going to take a break, my friends. We've got one more hour of the Matt Townsend Show coming up. We're also going to be talking in the next hour about uh, are you really as smart as you think you are or is that little tech device make you feel smarter than you actually are? Some interesting research coming up on that next hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Matt, your coach. Doing what we can on this program every day to give you the tools to live longer, love stronger, and lead the ones you're with. Today, we've touched them all. We've done a lot on technology, and we've also gone in-depth on leadership, reviewing the book by Stephen Schallenberger, Becoming Your Best. This next hour, we're going to be meeting and talking with Matt Fisher, who is a, um, a Yale University 
fourth-year graduate student. He's done some research that we we actually think we're a lot smarter than we are when we use technology. Like I said, hold on. Let me look that up, and I'll tell you. He's checking right now. We think we're smarter than we are because we have Google at our fingertips. Do you feel that way? I know my kids are because my kids actually fact-check me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's a fact, not fat. They uh, fact-check me. As too. you're talking, they're typing. Hold on. No, you're wrong, Dad. Yeah, Dad, no. Uh, it wasn't Mickey Mantle. It was Willie Mays. Okay. I did that to my uh, father one day. How'd that go? He was asking about some show news conference, something, What w- it was going to happen later, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I go, yeah, it's at 8 o'clock. He goes, how do you know? It's on Twitter, and he just gets so mad. Twitter. Why are you always on your phone? I'm not on my phone, Father. And then I put it down. I'm like, I'm not on my phone. You asked a question, I found the answer, and I'm moving on with my life. It's interesting, because now we used to, like, you'd hypothesize, and you'd say, like, hmm, I wonder how many people there are in Africa. Yeah. And then you'd be like, well, I don't know, Dad, the sub-Saharan Africa, or what are you talking about? Yeah. Which part? It's a big continent. Wow, son. Well, let me check Wikipedia. Do you remember when Wikipedia, everyone was like, Wikipedia? They still kind of do. They do. But just that as a resource, are you kidding me? It's the book of knowledge. Well, some would say the Bible's the book of knowledge. It can't give you the population of Africa right now. But it can get you to heaven. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's certain types of knowledge. When you get to heaven, they're not going to say, hey, so how many people are in Africa? The Wikipedia entry on the Bible, there's a read for you. That'll get you to heaven. <laughs> or somewhere. Interesting stuff. Got a great show. Um, but first, we always like to get to the headlines. Today? Yes. We're supposed to celebrate Be a Millionaire Day. <gasps> this is my favorite day. Oh, the kids love millionaires. It's just a day to pretend and think about all the money that we can't spend. Don't let it get you down. Mm. Money isn't everything, unless, of course, you're a millionaire. Then today's your day. The term, Be a millionaire The day. term millionaire first appeared in the English language in a letter written by Lord Byron in 1816. Really? Now we're at trillionaire. Isn't there one trillionaire on Earth yet? I don't know. Not yet. That's more of the crowd you roll in. We're closing in on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging with the trillionaires. <laughs> Jay McFarland had yes. was on before. He was mentioned a poll that's been released. Mm-hmm. Uh, new research confirmed by or performed by AT&T and Braun Research offers some idea of how much we've lost our minds behind the wheel. <laughs> 70% of respondents admit they've done something with their phone while driving. 61% confessed to texting. Perhaps neither of these numbers are surprising, but then there's 31% have emailed while driving. Uh-huh. 28% say they've surfed the web. Yep, done that. Check. Uh, I've done all 17% three. 17% of respondents said they took selfies or other photos while driving. Uh-huh. I've done that. And 10%- Shirtless, by the way. 10% admit to participating in video chats. Oh, nice. This is a survey of 2,000 people ages Like you're FaceTiming somebody? That's- yeah. You're having hey, a FaceTime anyway, conversation. I'm right about to die in an accident. I wanted you to see this. <laughs> you're driving down the road. That's crazy. So, yeah, we're nuts. You know what? It used to be that you would just eat a hamburger. Yes, that was the dist- or, or putting on makeup. Yeah, or yeah, I never whatever. did that. But yeah. whatever, it's your world. People your do world. that. <laughs> they do that. Do what you got to do. I personally would eat. You know, you'd you'd spill your fries. Yeah, and you'd pick them up in a construction zone. Right. See now, whenever I'm driving down the freeway, which is oddly every, every single day now, uh, whenever someone's in the middle lane driving slow and everyone is moving around them, 
to the point where it's really annoying. As you drive by, they're holding their phone. Oh, it drives me crazy. They're either on speakerphone or talking, which is kind of illegal. In they're eating a hamburger and taking a selfie of them eating that, that too. hamburger. While driving, I was driving, listening to my headset on the way. I was listening to a podcast, but I had the car full of kids, so I couldn't listen over my speakers. So I had my iBuds in or whatever they're called headphones. Yeah, my headphones. Yeah. And um, I'm sitting there <laughs> and don't notice it, don't notice it, don't notice it. Look behind me in my rearview mirror, and there's a cop with his lights on, highway patrolman. And I'm like, ah, oh, man. I pull over, he passes me. Oh. That's comes right up to the side of my car and is just yelling at me. <laughs> and I'm like, I've got my earbuds on. I can't hear you. <laughs> anyway, and basically swore at me and then mm. just passed me. Nice. He must have been behind me for days. <laughs> well, either that or a ticket, whichever way. I mean, come on. You've got one of these souped up cars. Pass yeah. me. What, am I too manly for you? <laughs> I like I like how you, you communicated with him, though. He's He's... <laughs> He pulls up next to you, starts giving you some lip, and you're like, "I, I can't, I can't he- hear see you." The headphone. I've got my. I, I, I can't hear you. He was like, he was so mad, but I couldn't tell what he was saying, so it was useless. Right. But then, just so you know, I didn't wear my headphones for at least another twenty minutes. Good. You learned something. There was a lesson learned that. And day. then my wife said, like, "I think that's illegal." Wearing headphones? Yeah, I'd hope so. It just seems like you can't hear, I don't know, emergency vehicles, other cars you're you know crashing what? into. If he heard what might was going on in my car. That's illegal. <laughs> the noise level in my vehicle, not good. In other news, the Los Angeles County uh, City Council voted, or Los Angeles City Council voted Tuesday to raise the city's minimum wage to $15 per hour by July 1st of 2020. Oh, my heavens. A change that will affect as many as 800,000 workers. I'm a business owner. Yes. And if you did that to me someone's going to lose their job. So that very move, they just did a brilliant, they think bold move to move everyone forward, and a certain percentage of people are now unemployed. And as it says, critics of, say, small businesses will suffer the most from the change and may be forced to lay off employees or just move out of the city. Yeah. They've got a year or whatever to get this together, but it's like... 2020, so several years. Oh, is it 2020? (sighs) Ah. It was a 14-to-1 margin on the vote. Oh, so. I'm sure none of them probably own a business. <laughs> if you're a small business, that's a, you know that could be a $3, $2 job increase. That's a lot of money. Whatever. Two uh, interesting things. A KFC tray typer. Pardon? It is a super thin rechargeable Bluetooth keyboard that arrives with your tray of fast food, oh, connects to your smartphone, and lets you text with sticky fingers without messing up the screen on your phone. Well, that's nice. Oh, my heavens, we are pathetic. Look, I've got so much grease from the chicken, but I can't put my phone down. It's part of an advertising campaign for the fast food company in Germany. Oh, man. And you, you, so you show up to grand openings, and for the first 50 to 100 people, when they put that little piece of paper on the tray, it's actually a, a piece of paper that's a keyboard with Bluetooth technology. You sync to your <sighs> phone, and you can type away. And they said, of course, every single one of them walked out the door. <laughs> with their free piece of paper because now they have a Bluetooth keyboard. Hey, thanks. This is great. Yeah, thank you. With every combo meal, you'll get a keyboard. Um, President Obama we talked about, he is on Twitter again with his is Twitter he? handle. Yeah, he's back. Because he was on with at Barack Obama, but that was ran by White House staffers and other people, now, not necessarily him. Now he's got his own. He has his own. It's at POTUS, P-O-T-U-S. At POTUS. I'm going to look him up right now. It uh, set a new Guinness World Record. Really? 
for the fastest time to reach 1 million followers on Twitter. It uh, took five and a half hours. The power of the presidency. The previous uh, record was set last year when Iron Man star Robert Downey Jr., who I followed immediately when I saw that he was on there, uh, he reached a million followers in 23 hours and 22 minutes. Wow. So the president destroyed that that record. Um. Well, congratulations, Yay, President Twitter. Obama. I'm surprised that nobody had taken POTUS before him. I know. And uh, Bill Clinton uh, tweeted out afterwards, you know, welcome POTUS. By the way, is that Twitter handle, does that go with you when you're out of office? He goes, I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> just asking. Asking for a friend. Yeah. My wife. Interesting. Yeah, I'm on it right now. There you go. It's kind of boring. And uh, the New York Post reported Monday that at 123 on the park, a luxury development near Brooklyn, Brooklyn's Prospect Park is plagued by strange voices and mysterious footsteps. Mm. Used to be a high-rise hospital. Now they're saying it's haunted by the former patients of the hospital. Really? Three doormen have reportedly abandoned their post within the last six months. But before you get too excited, the uh, a bog in New York went and talked to the current doorman. And he said, yeah, that's just the residents that live here making up stories because they're trying to keep the rent down. <laughs> the owners want to raise the prices. So they feel like if they, they spook anybody that yeah. tries to come and get a new apartment, there's ghosts. It's haunted. There's, there's ghosts. You know, People that, have died here. That they'll uh, keep their rent. My from, office is haunted. Are you trying to get your rent down? Keep mm-hmm. it down? Have you noticed? Okay. We'll just be sitting there. Lights will turn off. Then I have to turn them on again. Lights will then turn off. It's weird. It's almost like every 15 minutes it's happening. Exactly. It's almost minutes. exactly 15 minutes. Is it minutes. on a timer or power-saving type technology? No. Ghost. No, it's ghost? a ghost yeah. for sure. Because there's sure. also a weird chill in the room. Yeah. I think, like, my, I think my office used to be the meat locker. Well, it's unnaturally cold. Because you go outside and mm-hmm. it's pretty hot. And then you go into your office Freezing. and it's noticeably cooler. And then the lights go off. Yeah. So when BYU Ghost. Broadcasting needed a side of beef, they kept it in your office. Now they changed that to an Apparently, office. Apparently. They, they used to go through a lot of beef at BYU Broadcasting. Right. And now- It's a constant barbecue here. It's funny because now everyone walks by and like, oh. Well, there's an office there. No more beef. It was a walk-in yeah. freezer Where's before. Where's the beef? <laughs> anyway, it's sad. Sad. Well, interesting news. Haunted. That's one way to keep your property there, prices. There's, there's a rent hike- in the, in the plans by the developer that owns the place, and they're trying to keep that down for the spring, <laughs> so they're making up ghost stories. <laughs> uh, there's actually nuclear waste in this building. There's a lot of radiation here. That's one way to do it. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, we'll be visiting with Matt Fisher. Matthew Fisher is from Yale University. He's a fourth-year graduate student in the Cognition and Development Lab. And he's conducted a research about what happens to your head when it comes to technology. Apparently, people who use technology searching uh, for information on technology, they actually think they're smarter than they really are. We'll be talking about the study up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, with Google and Siri and, uh, you know, Wikipedia, all of these great tools that we can use online, and they're all at our fingertips, by the way, it seems like we can have information in an instant, right? 
But what if we took away the cell phone and the tablets and all of this? Are we really as smart as we think we are? Well, according to Matthew Fisher, who's a fourth-year graduate student at Yale University's Cognition and Development Lab, he has conducted some experiments, by the way, replicated them over and over, showing that uh, getting information online actually makes us feel a whole lot smarter than we are. Matthew Fisher, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. What, a, what an interesting study. Um, so in your study, you have found when, when people are accessing information on their phones, we actually have a sense that we are smarter than we really are. That's right, yeah. The way we've been thinking about it is that people conflate the information they have access to with the information actually in their head. <laughs> we don't know where the boundaries are, right? We we conflate it. We think we actually have the the breadth of knowledge of Google uh, well, at our fingertips. That's right. I mean, this information is accessible, and it, in, in one sense, it sort of leaks in. We feel like it's just so easy and so accessible, so reliable. You know, it's you only have to pull out your small smartphone from your pocket to have access to this vast resource of information. And so we start to think of it as a part of ourselves. We start to assume that that knowledge that we would actually have to go out and search for, we've known all along. Hmm. And tell me why this, I mean, this seems like it's kind of an illusion, right? It's We're, we're not necessarily aware that we're doing this, but is there a harm to this? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, You know, the Internet is obviously a wonderful tool. It helps us out in all sorts of ways. But what we think we're uncovering here is an inherent trade-off with the strategy that we've adopted for learning information about the world. So, you know, we go around in our daily lives, and we are very often truly unplugged from this, this resource. So in some sense, we can walk around and live our lives under this illusion without ever really realizing that it's happening. Hmm. And there may be some uh, key instances where uh, that may actually turn out to be uh, harmful. So, for example, if you have an issue that you care deeply about, that you're really invested in, some political topic or something that uh, just matters a lot to you, then uh, it seems like in that situation you wouldn't want to assume that you have this deep understanding of uh, the explanations and the arguments behind that topic. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you'd you'd want to truly know that on your own. So, when people our findings are suggesting that when people would assess how well they could explain these sorts of topics, they would end up thinking they actually know more um, when they are relying on outside sources like the internet to fill in the gaps in their knowledge. It's such an interesting thing because um, we we just heard of another study. I don't know if you heard it that or maybe it was a poll, I think it was a study, where they asked if you would be willing to lose a finger to ensure that you'd have Wi-Fi. So if you could have Wi-Fi or a finger, I guess 30% of the population would say, oh, boy, I'd lose a finger instantly. And then about 50% of the rest of the population were saying, I'm not sure. They weren't quite sure if they needed their fingers or not. But it makes sense because if my knowledge is tied to my Internet use – Maybe, you know, it's worth losing a finger so I don't lose, uh, you know, 90% of what I know. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's a, a great indicator of just how reliant we become on it. This is – it's an interesting study you're doing at Yale because 
you've also replicated the study many times. So this isn't just kind of a once, you know, once one shot. You've proven this over and over and over again. Yeah, that's right. We um, in, in the paper, we wanted to be very careful with um, how we were presenting our findings. Um, this, there were some possible deflationary accounts, things that could have ruled out the, the explanation. So we went through in a series of nine studies and just systematically uh, controlled for different variables and analyzed our effect in different ways. And it turned out that it, it was just replicating over and over again, which hmm. uh, gave us more confidence in these results. Does this um, – I see – as I went through a graduate program, I got a lot better at, at creating searches and kind of a Boolean search approach and different ways of, of, of searching that made me a more effective kind of researcher. Do mm-hmm. you sense that we are, – are we – we're relying on this other information and our ability to access information, but – are, are we getting really good at, at accumulating and acquiring information and finding information, or are we still pretty basic at that as well? I mean, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, I think, I think that's a very important skill, and I think the improvements are uh, in, in two places, actually. So one, I think people are just getting better, so you have a better sense of what questions and how to ask the questions. Um, and where to, uh, you know, what link is going to be reliable, how to just self-filter as you go through and look for information. Um, and on the other side, the technology is getting better. Yeah. So, you know, whereas, you know, before the Internet, maybe you had to go to a library, you know, take time out of your day to go look something up in a book or call up a friend and take this effort to first confront your ignorance and say, wait, I actually don't know the answer to something. Now I'm going to put in the time and effort to go search for that answer, now it's just becoming easier and easier and easier. So hmm. instead of just having to, you know, open up your browser, go to google.com and type something in, now we can literally just pull out our smartphones and talk to it as if it's another person. Yeah. And, you know, Siri can understand our search query and filter a lot of things for us. So you don't even necessarily have to ask the perfect question or... Uh, you know, even if you're typing in, you don't even need to spell things correctly. These instruments that are being developed sort of are taking care of a lot of that for you. And that's all facilitating this ease of processing that goes on when we search. So mm-hmm. but no you, longer need It can get you in trouble, it sounds like, because, again, yeah. like you say, you might think you know something. I mean, I've seen it like just at a Thanksgiving dinner table where somebody's, you know, talking about some study or something and you're like no I don't think that's what that said and but they had heard it on the radio or they had you know read it or seen it online but they hadn't fully read it and studied it and um, I guess you could it could get you believing something that you're not quite informed on yeah that's right we um, you can just outsource that that knowledge you you know where it is so you feel like it's yours when in fact you haven't mastered it in detail is is that where else are you going to take this in the cognition and development lab? What what where do you sense is going to go next with the study? Yeah, so um, my research broadly is, is interested in um, people's sort of what's called metacognitive awareness, so how they think about their own knowledge, uh, their ability to assess um, their uh, how well they can explain things out in the world, and so the internet was a really fascinating real-world test case to, to see how, you know, this tremendous source of knowledge is influencing 
how people think about these issues. Um, but uh, we think there are a whole host of other things that can be contributing contributing to uh, illusions of knowledge. So um, one study that we're just wrapping up now is looking at the role of education and how actually spending dedicated time um, acquiring what we call formal expertise, the sort of thing where you have to hit the books and really study hard for it, can actually lead people to think they know more. They end up becoming miscalibrated in mm. assessing the knowledge in those, dom- those domains. Um, and so we think this is another important uh, cause and consequence to look at, how things like acquiring information through education can lead yeah. to similar effects. Well, it is it is interesting because, you know, having a Ph.D., you might think you actually know something, even though you haven't been you haven't studied the breadth of all the research. You've just kind of maybe had a narrow minded focus for the last three or four years. But you feel confident. I mean, I, I see that with doctors as well, like, you know, a family member doctor that might think they know something, even though they haven't read the latest research for 20 years. That's right. And um We've been uh, trying to pinpoint what's actually the the mechanism or the cause behind this effect. And what we seem to be finding as a contributing factor is that even if people had the knowledge at some point, so let's say you just finished taking a a course and you're you're at your peak knowledge, you can, you know, you've aced the test, you know how to answer all of these uh, detailed questions. What people fail to do is at this metacognitive level, they are not tracking the decay rate of those memories. Hmm. So um, the even though they used to have it, and they think that memory is stable throughout time, so you know, five, ten years later, they think that knowledge is still going to be immediately accessible. Yeah. Um, and when it's something like an explanation, that might be slightly hard to just self-test. Uh-huh. Like a fact, you might know, oh, I don't know that anymore. An explanation, you may have a feel for it, and so you're duped into not realizing um, that a lot of the content is gone. And so uh, over time, people think they can still produce that explanation when, in fact, it's, uh, it's gone. decayed rather rapidly from memory. Is Do you sense that our retention rate is dropping as well? I mean, we there was just recent studies that our attention span may be down to like eight seconds now, which is right. sadly a, a second slower than a goldfish, um, <laughs> um, which is so – is do you do you sense that we're not retaining as much because we're not I mean, do we do we not retain as much just because we're not attending to as much? Well, in in one sense, I think it's a basic shift in strategy. So, and and that may not be, uh, be a bad thing. So, yeah. you know, the the things we use in our daily life, like uh, say Google Maps, for example. You know, not too long ago, that sort of information had to be stored in people's heads a lot of the time. So a lot of the cognitive effort had to go into, you know, planning and knowing all of this local information and how to navigate all your way around the city. But now that can just be totally outsourced. Yeah. It barely has to, has to be an afterthought. You know, uh, Siri or whatever device you're using can just direct you as you go. And I think in a lot of ways that's a good thing. Like we can leverage these tools and spend our cognitive resources on other things. Um, and so in one sense, I, I think that's right. I think we're, we're shifting strategies and our retention is down. And while that, that may sound like a bad thing, in some ways I think that could be a very good thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess too, you don't have to, 
you don't have to keep information that's not relevant. I mean, a map from a city I'm never going to go back to. Um, yeah, exactly. Or you know, certain street names. I mean, to me, it's it is it's, it is a rewiring almost is what we're going through, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's we're we're learning about and approaching the world in uh, what could be called a fundamentally different way. We're relying less on what's stored internally, and we're now outsourcing things, and you know, willing to to defer to to uh, what we've been calling cognitive prostheses, things that are. Uh, not a part of our own mind, but are used almost in the same way as we mm. use our own mind. What are some techniques you'd ask or you'd suggest that we use to, if we want to make sure that we are, you know, using our, our and being as effective as we can be with our own thinking? Yeah, so um, to to help um, eliminate, like, the, the illusion that we found where people don't realize how much they're relying on the Internet uh, for their, their own knowledge. I think one very simple strategy would just be to self-test. Yeah. So let's say you're sitting at a dinner party and you can't remember the actor's name in whatever movie. Um, often we have this illusion where we say, oh, I, I know it, but instead of just taking the time to think about it for those five or ten seconds, I'll just pull it out, yeah. pull out my smartphone and find the answer. Um, so maybe when the issue is a little more high stakes, something we really care about, it could be worth the time to say, hey, let me actually think on my own for a while. Let me detail out how much I really know. And then I can really pinpoint the, the areas that I have gaps, where, I'm, where I actually have ignorance or I maybe have some misunderstandings. And uh, often when we force ourselves to really articulate an explanation or understanding uh, to the greatest degree of detail that we can, we find that we actually knew far less than we initially thought. No, I love that. And um, I guess that's just learning, isn't it? You're learning how you're learning, like metacognition. You're learning how you think. That's right, yes. And, and reinforcing those points. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. I think it's interesting uh, Interesting research you're doing. And then where are when you're done uh, at Yale, any idea what you're going to do next? Um, no, still, uh, still have a little bit of time here. I'm really excited about these research projects and hope to be continuing to do you know similar research in the future keep it up my friend appreciate your time and uh, good luck in in your future studies and research again uh, Matt Fisher from Yale University's cognition and development lab you know maybe we're not as smart as we think we are folks maybe a little humility might help sometimes be willing to see what you're not uh, knowing not understanding let's take a break we'll come back um, just do a quick uh, review of a few headlines and then uh, we'll, we're going to go talk to the guys down at BYU Sports Nation, find out what's going on on their show a little bit later today. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I've been talking with Matt Fisher about how technology makes us think we're a little smarter than we actually are. I think there are huge opportunities with the the mere fact that you have the resource of technology. We also just need to make sure we're emphasizing our own brain and our own learning. 
It's not enough to be able to just know that you can look everything up because there's a point in time where you need to bring the information. And maybe even more important than information is kind of um, your assimilation, maybe, your the insight you're going to bring, the innovation you're going to bring to the information. Anybody in today's information age can bring information to the game. See, it used to be that you didn't have the information. Only companies had it. Only the richer people had it. Only the kings would have it. Only those that could read have it. But now we have the ability for everybody to access the information. The difference today, though, is so what? So what do you do with the information? How do you use the information? How do you lead might be the more important question. So be thinking about that as you're using your own technology and trying to figure out, you know, it's not enough to be the fastest on, you know, on your Google search. That doesn't just make you smart. What makes you smart is the ability to see what's being said, hear it, and apply it wisely the apply the wisdom, right? Apply the knowledge in a, in an application that that either serves or helps or lifts another. To me, that's leadership one hundred and one: the ability to effectively apply all this information that we have. Uh, we the short moment here. We're going to take a break. We've got uh, the great uh, BYU Sports Nation guys, Spencer and Jeremy, are going to be up with us in a minute. They're going to be talking about their show that'll be up at the top of the hour. We're going to check in with them. Come back after that. After we talk to them, we'll be uh, talking about our hero of the day. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back with BYU Sports Nation. Perfect. It's falling into place. I can't seem to wipe this smile off my face. Life's a happy song. There's someone by my side to sing along. Welcome back, everybody. Life's a happy place. And it's even happier when you're talking to the guys at BYU Sports Nation. We're going to toss it over to Jerem, and I think Michael Elise is with you today. Is that right, Jerem? Michael is. He's not in studio quite yet. That's right. He's... Uh, he takes a little more preparation. He's a former <laughs> BYU football player. He's got his pregame routine. Yeah, he's psyching himself up in the <laughs> yeah, locker he's, room. He's putting eye black on right now and stretching out. <laughs> Excellent. He'll be here shortly. Well, I, do you guys actually need to stretch out before the show? Um, some people have asked. I I think one time we were shooting a commercial and they said, "Well, what do you do before the show to warm up?" And we said, "Nothing." <laughs> they expected some kind of vocal exercise, yeah, like Ron no. Burgundy and Anchorman, like "How now, brown cow?" or something <laughs> like unique New York. <laughs> we don't do anything. We just you well, don't do any of that. We come here at seven thirty and talk for two and a half hours. I hear that. Yeah, and play. Yeah, exactly. Yell and scream and but you don't you, you don't mess with perfection, Jerem. You've already got the perfect voice. When I get there, I'll let you know what it's like. Hey, I've got some bad news for you. Uh Uh-oh. According to um, the latest news, Boy Scouts are now banning water gun fights and water balloons. Interesting. uh, A summer rite of passage in the dog days. It's gone, folks. It's gone. And I thought of you guys because to me, you two, you know, scream Boy Scouts. Water guns, rubber bands, guns, and uh, they must be used to shoot at targets you can only shoot them at a target. Not human targets. Uh, not human targets. Eye protection must be worn. Mm. That's the page 99 of the, the new first. handbook. Safety yeah. first. Water balloons, though, that's a whole other thing. You've got to use biodegradable balloons, and you can fill them no larger than a ping pong ball. Wow. Do you know why? Why? Because it's not kind. That's a scientific fact. And a scout is kind. <laughs> and anything bigger than a ping pong ball is now unkind. Is unkind. 
So I just I letting if you guys this will know. trickle down to Cub Scouts. I'm I help with the Weebelos. Oh, do you really? The extinct animal Cub. known as the Weebelo. The Weebelo. I like we, telling them that, They're which like, is what? not to be confused with a Weeble. A we, correct. Or a Weevil. Yes. A Weebelo. It's like a wolf. <laughs> yes. Is it? I did not know that's what it is. We'll be loyal scouts. Weebelos. Weebelo. Yeah. Uh, by we the way, a compelling. They're they're uh, no longer hunting Weebelos. Is that right? Yeah, they're extinct. That's, <laughs> they're officially extinct. They're officially extinct. Yeah. Hey, um, so Michael is outstretching, putting a little... Um, he's almost on. He's putting on his earpiece. Okay, good. So Phil, I've now put on the verbal pressure. There you go. No, no, he's like, huh, huh. talk to us about uh, your show. What, I'm sure with Spencer gone, you know, the cat's away. Well, here's the thing. We thought Spencer was coming in this morning. What happened? Um, and then he didn't show up. So we called Michael Lisa, and then all of a sudden we see Spencer tweet at 9.22, approximately 26 minutes ago, what? that he's laser tagging with Taysom Hill, BYU's quarterback. Oh, man. So we, we're like, what the heck's going on, That man? doesn't seem right. fair. I just woke up. What did I miss? Oh, Michael, good to have you, my friend. <laughs> oh, early morning. <laughs> that were you, well, we heard you were stretching out and getting ready. Michael's right. a former athlete, so he had afternoon classes. Yeah. <laughs> this early morning schedule is killing you. They had 6 a.m. meetings and stuff last I year. I saw him walk yeah, in today. Man. He seemed chipper. And then I, all of a sudden am, he's exhausted. Yeah. I'm pretty chip. Are you happy? Chippy. I'm I'm very happy. So yeah. why is why does how come Spencer gets to go play with Taysom? That doesn't seem fair. We don't know. We're in here putting in work, clocking yeah. in. Yeah. Weird. By the way, you know what I love about the are you happy question? What? Is the follow up are you really happy? No, but are you really happy, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> Let me the think questioning no, you. No, I'm no, you're right. I'm not. You're right. That's such a backhanded thing, isn't it? Because I, I mean it. you look pitiful. So are you yeah. really happy? <laughs> and then you ask a third time. No, 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 no. Are you really? I'm going to follow up until you give me the answer I want. <laughs> <Yeah>. Admit <laughs> it. You're not happy. You're not happy. And I know it. What your you, your question related to actual content on our show. Yeah. Is there going to be content? <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about what makes the difference between what BYU's done the last three seasons, eight win seasons, mm-hmm. and say getting to nine or ten wins. There's one simple thing that Taysom Hill can control quite a bit. That could pe- put BYU over that hump. What? Al- tell also, me. Also, we'll tell you okay. later. Okay. Uh, plus, uh, the new speed coach for the football team will join us in studio. How does he get BYU faster? And why did BYU hire him specifically now and not before? You know what you need to do? Test him. Do a little speed like, test. Hey, run in the hall, bro. See how fast Prove he it. is. Yeah. For real. Yeah, see how fast I can run around the room and then give me some pointers and see if I can do it a little faster. Right. Are you faster than Michael Lisa? Because if you're not... <laughs> I don't take your word on anything. <laughs> That's a, that. What an interesting job to be to be the speed coach mm-hmm. because it seems like it's measurable. We yes. should know next year if he worked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's the thing with sports; you can measure a lot of these things. Yeah, There's numbers. Do you think he measures things outside of sports, like how fast he can eat his bowl of cereal mm-hmm. in the shower? Yes. How fast does he shower in the morning? How fast does it take him to get out of the <laughs> door he speak? to work? He's yeah. clicking his – he's got a little stopwatch he Works clicks all minute. day long. Like we think it's Speaking. running. Maybe it's other things. It's it might be. It's we exactly. Need to ask him. Plus Mike Littlewood, the baseball coach, they're prepping to play in the uh, West Coast Conference tournament tomorrow. They hung out – the, the baseball team hung out with the San Francisco Giants yesterday. They were on the field. <gasps> really? The Giants tweeted out a picture of BYU baseball. How cool is that? Yeah. That's a dream come true for those guys. Seriously, yeah. Plus, a uh, new segment today, what? Ask Mike. Ah. If anyone has questions for any, Michael, any they, questions can, you got. they can use the hashtag BYUSN. First any question of the day was, oh. are you happy? Are you really happy? Do you know what, though, so, Mike? I, Michael, I've got, a, I've got one. I've got a mole I want you to come up and look at. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I, I just oh, want to know if it's... Question. Question. 
Well, I'm just – I, we can ask anything, and that's what that I want to know. That was a comment. You have to – Trebek, you have to do a question. Uh, oh, yeah. Put it in the form of a question. Uh, is this swollen? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't – What is – will you come upstairs? I might to see somebody else about that one. Hey, I need your, I I need your idea. What do you think about uh, Patriots owner Kraft – Changing the game and just changing the deal and saying, "Okay, we'll take we'll take it. Whatever, we're not Cause fighting because they, they'll cheat later. Because they'll cheat again. Oh, That's why it's, he got major pressure from the other owners, don't you think? Because they just think had their cares. owners. I meeting. think he thinks he's in a league of his own. Oh, but he was he was talking smack. He was talking smack, and now he just stopped. But Tom Brady, you think he'll still go fight this? I hope he does. I think he, I think he will appeal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he needs to sue the NFL. I'd, I'd su- sue the entire country while you're at it. <laughs> sue the USA. He owns the country and Brazil because <laughs> his wife's the queen of Brazil. So. Oh, man, it's not fair. They, they get everything. And all I get is this really weird-looking mole. That is unfair. <laughs> that thing does look weird. <laughs> does it look weird? In my, in my mind's eye. In your mind's it looks eye. very like, strange. You need that treated. <laughs> you guys are great. Hey, have a great show. I know Thanks. you got to get at it because Michael was so late. Now you got to go prepping. I know. What you're my talk bad. About. We appreciate Michael coming in. Michael all. made it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, I'm guys. Happy. I'll bring the mole down later. I'll oh, drop boy. it yeah, off yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah, let me get a look at that. <laughs> okay. uh, Thanks, guys. Have wait. a good one. Thanks, you too. See you. Tons of fun. Man, that's interesting. So let's just say I took a bullet, James. Or Jimmy Crackhorn, your new nickname. If I took a bullet, mm-hmm. who would fill in for me? So if Spencer didn't take a bullet, he just got to go do something really fun. We'd have to get a guest host to fill in immediately for me. That's problematic. Yeah. That's who could true. carry this show? Well, and I mean, other than you. We don't even have a makeup person either. So I know. Who would do the makeup? That's exactly right. I do my own makeup. Wow. And I do radio. Yeah, I wonder about the the ab makeup that Isn't you that put weird? on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then I, it's weird because I, I put a really big sweater over it, so yeah. I don't even know why I do it. But I don't know; it just makes me feel better. Have you yeah. ever just done something that just made you feel better? Yeah, that nobody else knows, nor will everyone ever know that. But you know inside that you've got a six pack. <laughs> I, I've drawn myself. Yeah, a six pack. You don't actually have one. No, no, but. There's one that you've made with makeup on your stomach. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a made up. It's empowering. It's it's actually just an optical illusion. Oh really? It's really not that big of a deal. The way that the shadows are cast on uh-huh. your stomach. Okay. It, have you ever seen Homer Simpson's six pack? No. It looks like that. Okay. Like when he when they draw him with a six pack. Okay. Mine's pretty much drawn like that. Well, here's the deal. Uh, you know, uh, we like to talk about heroes. On the show, we like to talk about uh, overcoming and and hoping that we can help you find the good in the world. Uh, when, when you think about it in your own life, who are your heroes? Who who would you say is up there in your life that's made a major difference for you? You've heard me on the show talk about my good friend Ralph Smith, my ninety nine and a half year old friend that just recently passed away. He was one of my great heroes. I've talked about a friend named Bart Summerhays, who was uh, when I was growing up. He's just he was one of our church leaders that we he was over the youth, and uh, he was kind of a youth pastor, and he made a huge difference in my life just simply because he told me he believed in me, and he told me I I needed to go to school, go get a college degree. Two of my heroes, Stephen Covey was one of my heroes. I mean, we all have different heroes. That uh, that we can kind of look to as as a guide or as as a leadership. 
So instead of me handing you a leader today I w- or a hero today, I want you to be thinking about your own. In your life, who is somebody that has stood out, that's maybe been an example to you? Maybe you've never even met them. They don't even have to be in your day-to-day life. It could be a teacher that made a difference for you. It could be uh, the father or a parent of a friend. It could be a, your best friend. Somebody that lifted you to a higher level. I'm going to challenge you to go out and and maybe even just connect to that person. Reconnect. Find them on Facebook. Send them out a thank you. Just tell them what you were thinking about them. Just say you were listening to the show and you thought of them. When they, when they were talking of heroes, who is your hero? I thought of you. I just wanted to thank you for stepping up way back in the day. And you probably didn't even know it, but you, you made a difference to me in my life. I really believe if we find the good in the world, if we point it out, if we talk more about it, then um, there's going to be more good in the world. That is one of the goals of BYU Broadcasting. It's a very specific goal of this show is to help you see the good in the world. So your challenge, very simply, go find your heroes and, for heaven's sakes, please go validate what they've done. Go tell them how important they were in your life. They may not know where you are today. But just find them on Facebook. There's nothing greater than receiving a message from somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, especially when they're just saying, you know what, I'm thinking about you, you made a difference. It doesn't need to be sappy. It doesn't need to be a big deal. Heroes, though. we You are one, by the way. You are a hero to somebody, so remember that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Again, we can't do the show without you, so... Stick with us. We're here every Monday through Friday, 9 to noon Eastern time. You can also go find us on iTunes, on TuneIn, podcasts galore. This is the Matt Town Show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, take care.